Welcome to the Beston and Greenway podcast. It's Carl Beston here. Sunday, January 16. Couple of huge games this afternoon. Unfortunately, Seb's gone into incognito mode with a with an Aperol down at the beach. Hope you're enjoying it, brother. He assures me that he'll be back next week. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm lucky enough actually tonight to have a very special guest. I'm joined by Ryder from the Pick and Roll, the awesome Michael Huben. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, too easy, my man. We've been meaning to do this for a little while, actually, and um, finally found a time that uh, works for both of us. And funnily enough, right in the middle of probably one of the biggest rounds of the season in terms of schedule-wise with uh, with all the COVID situation going on. What have you thought of how the NBLs manage that during this break? Uh, look, I try not to have too many thoughts on it because I do not envy whoever has to deal with all that. Um, it's been pretty crazy circumstances I've had to deal with. Um, but look, it's far from ideal. Um, as they've noted, you know, some of these teams, I think it was Southeast Melbourne hadn't played in what, like three weeks or something? Yeah, four um, weeks a month. Crazy, crazy. I don't think it's fair, but I don't think there's a fair answer that you could come up with. So... Look, I'm not going to judge too hard, but I'm just happy there's some some games to finally watch. Oh, 100%. Like, I don't think we can really judge anyone. It's unprecedented times. I think they're doing the best they can. And this year, I think they have to be probably more careful about managing the commercial realities because one tough year is really hard, let alone a second one on the back-to-back of already what was a very, very difficult year last year. So, I, I you know what, if, if take as long as it needs to, as long as you need to, essentially, to make it viable and to help the clubs get through this difficult time and the league as a whole, I'm 100% with. There's been a lot of criticism about it, but it's like it's very, very easy to do it from the uh, sofa as it is opposed when you're actually dealing with real people's money and and like a lot of investment and time and money in this league. So I'm just happy for them that we're moving uh, moving forward and hopefully things keep improving. If they don't, we'll just have to adjust with the times. Now... Where where are you at with the league at the moment? Do you do you have like a definitive favorite? Do you like is there a particular team you like, or are we just like? Do you think it's still in the feeling out stages? I think it's still in the feeling out stages. Honestly, um, looking at the ladder today, you know the games played between these teams are still all over the place. Um, I think we're getting a, a good feel for a lot of the teams. Um, I think going into the season, it felt really wide open to me. Um, there's a lot of teams that could have potentially been really good. Um, I, th- I think in terms of a favourite, I can't go past Perth. I mean, their track record speaks for itself. And like so far this season, they've been getting it done as per usual. Obviously, Vic Law um, was a massive addition there and has fit in like a glove. Um, so I, I think if you know if you had to pick a team today, Perth would be the team. But there's there's plenty of teams that are in that conversation. Um, United is is a team that I didn't have in that conversation at the start of the year. Um, probably regretting that a little bit at this mm. point, just because their defense has been on point and and the offense has improved to a level that's getting them by. Um, so they're probably in that conversation for me as now. And then you add in the Hawks um, to that conversation as well, and I think that's that's where it's looking for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. Maybe we'll start with the Wildcats actually. Because 
There are a lot of I didn't understand the question marks in the offseason. I, I mean the biggest question mark is you lose Trevor Gleason, right? He's a coaching mastermind in the NBL, knows how to win titles and knows how to win games in the NBL. Like his structure with flex and then running that into horns, etc. He found perfect fits in terms of players to fill those roles. And he just he had this way of building teams. And to be honest, some of those teams were not favourites to win titles, and they did. But they found ways through. They had particular systems set up to get Bryce the looks he wanted and the looks that the that Bryce needed. The big, I suppose, the big question coming into this year was, well, would Morrison be able to do the same thing, and would these this team still be greater than the sum of their parts? Or for me, the answer is they don't need to be because the sum of the parts is better than what it has been in previous seasons. This is the best Wildcats team I've seen in a long time. Uh, I just think you you got to look through. They, they're just deep, right? So you go with, obviously, you got Cotton, and then you go with, like, you got Mitch Norton's finally back now. You add, you obviously add Vic Law as well. Matt Hodgson we haven't seen a lot from yet, and there's heavy criticism of. I'm willing to give him a little bit of time just because he's been injured, and people will scream at me going, Hey, he's always injured. Yeah, I get it. But <laughs> if he's healthy come playoff time, I think he can provide that Angus Brandt stop with extra length, to be honest. Like he's a rim protector, unlike Angus was, but he can just provide that stable big. And I actually think uh, Majuk Majuk's been one of the key shining lights of this season. I think he's been fantastic. Uh, again, crushed by injury. Blanchfield's, you know, being in and out uh, or out, in, out. And. You know, they've had their issues in regards to that. But Travers, again, you bring guys like Travers off the bench. You've got Frazier coming into his own now. I just think this team, you can't... I haven't seen a team look more complete or better than the Wildcats this year. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. Um, I had those same concerns uh, with Gleason's departure. I mean, it's always sort of lingering in the back of your mind. Like, was their success, at least in part, a product of... Um, his coaching obviously got plenty of, of credit for that over his time with Perth. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just purely a case of people getting excited for like, you know, all these new signings, new dynamics with all these other teams and forgetting Bryce Cotton is Bryce Cotton. Like mm. he's on another level to everybody. They know how to utilize him. Um, and then you add in Vic Law to that as that one-two punch and those guys obviously very talented in their own right, but I think the thing that stands out for me is they're really smart players. Um, you know, Law's a guy that's been able to come in. He does a bit of everything. He's not just a pure scorer. And he's learnt to um, complement Bryce. He is a good passer. He can play multiple positions. And everything else just works around that. Um, yeah. You know, Fraser wasn't like a a really high profile signing but he's just a consummate role player who gets the job done and you can say that about all their locals as well um every every year i look at perth and i look at their point guard rotation and i go oh you know like to look at it this season you know oh mitch norton kevin white you know it's not like they're not going to stand out on the box score no, it's not, not earth shattering right you know no, it's yeah. not but at the end of the day you don't need that when you've got Bryce Cotton at the two. Their mm. function is just to lock down on defense and to, you know, give some pressure off Bryce just handling the ball, running the sets. Correct. Like, it's that conducting is the orchestra, right? It's just they're conductors of the orchestra. They don't need to do a lot, which 
It mm. always makes me laugh too how all these people go to contend in the NBL. You need a really good import point guard. <laughs> well, Perth have kind of shattered that misconception for years. Like, yeah, if if you haven't got good supporting players, it's really handy to have. Don't get me wrong, but I think like mm. these guys who when they, I, I think to win, you need a really good system. And I think Perth have proven that over and over again. One thing I did, I'm not sure if it shows out in the stats, but they look really ISO heavy this year, um, mm. which is a distinct change from what we've seen in previous years running flex, et cetera. They still show some actions here. And like, you know, it's not, it's not stagnant. They move still and they, you know, mm. it, I'm not, I'm not criticizing in that regard, but I do feel at times, I really like Vic Law, but I feel like the, ball can get stuck in his hands a little bit I, I felt like the mix between him and Cotton was they were winning games at the start of the year but they weren't that impressive because like let's be honest they were playing that conference was weak as weak right uh well it's the weaker of the two conferences compared to the east coast you know what would you call it? the COVID the COVID group and the non-COVID group at that <laughs> point in time right so it's a tougher it you know, they didn't look that impressive against Adelaide on opening night. They got rolled by Brisbane at home, and everyone's kind of getting a bit worried. But I just feel like if you can throw the ball to Bryce, you can throw the ball. If you have the best players in the comp, which I think they do in Bryce Cotton, I fully agree with you, that you're always going to be okay because you can keep the scoreboard ticking over, which creates the pressure. And they're always going to be defensively okay just because of the personnel that they have. Yeah. And... That's like 10 deep as well. You know, mm. you look at a guy like Luke Travers. I mean, he's he hasn't necessarily taken the step up that I think many thought he may mm. be able to in terms of shooting the ball and scoring. But the guy is blocking shots left, right and center. You know, he's had a massive impact on the defensive end. And then you got, as you said, you know, Majuk doing his thing, Wagstaff always doing his thing, Kevin White off the bench as well. These are guys that just... You know, into, no matter what system you're playing, they just fit. A, they have this dynamic where you have your one-two combo in Cotton and Law, and everyone else just fits and plays their role. You know, it's not rocket science. Um, and I think even though they're playing, I guess you could say a little bit more conventionally in terms of um, being of a more similar style to the rest of the comp compared to, as you said, the the flex-heavy offense they've had in previous years. Um, I think the the chemistry and the just the combination of talents here just fits and makes sense. Um, the culture didn't go anywhere. You know, Perth is what it is, and um, and it's just a recipe for success. Yeah, they're a tough team. There, I there's not a lot of weaknesses in it, right? Like, I, I think the weakness is, and I, this isn't me picking on Luke Travers here. I can Luke Travers is an amazing young player. But you saw in that Brisbane game, if you noticed in that first Brisbane game, James Duncan's like, let him shoot, man. Mm. Right? Like, let him shoot. And we saw that early in the season. I'm not sure what his stats are now. I can pull them up in a minute. But his three-point shooting data was pretty bad early. Uh, And I just think there's got to be a – but the thing is you can schematically get around that, right? So if you've seen in previous years, like they've made Mitch Norton a pseudo-like – rim runner right like when he doesn't have the ball he gets at the rack and gets low Mm. seals and you can get around these sorts of you know these little issues within your team with these little personnel issues by by scheming we'll talk about southeast melbourne and uh uh, joe chi later for example we'll talk about some of the schematic adjustments that they can make etc but 
you look at Travers, they can get around that, but he provides so much, especially on the defensive end, that he's he's a must-play guy, and you just have to find ways to cover up some of the weaknesses that these guys have, and they've got other personnel that can help in doing that. So it makes sense. They're just I just think they're a pretty complete team, man. I just think from top to bottom, they're tough. The question mark remains around the coaching, but he doesn't seem to have put too much of a foot wrong so far. Uh, we'll see when it playoff time is always interesting once it's game to game adjustments and we'll see whether this more ISO heavy ball can, plays out and is, is as successful as the Gleason era. But right now you just have I, looking at the roster on paper, this is, I think this is the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. My, my only personal concern and it's been fine up to this point. Um, you mentioned Hodgson's been, you know, has a history of injury, mm-hmm. um, obviously an interrupted season thus far. And then Majuk been great so far, but again, he came off what an Achilles the yeah. season prior. Um, that was a major question mark for me going into this season. Um, you know, they, they both have their limitations. They've got very clearly defined roles, particularly on the offensive end. Um, and when those guys like Hodgson's always in foul trouble as well, yeah. when he's playing, and their alternative really is just to go to like law or wag stuff and go really small. Um, yep. So I'm interested to see how that um, works against certain uh, matchups going forward, if that becomes an issue. Um, but other than that, as you said, complete team. Yeah, I agree on that. I, I think they have some opportunities though to mix things up with a small ball lineup. I know Vic Law is only 6'7", right? But like... I feel like they can really shake things up by going five out and just having multiple bodies crash on the glass. Like Mitch Norton's a little warrior on the glass. You know, you can throw Todd Blanchfield will be back and healthy soon. Vic Law, all these guys are just ball getters. You know, they have good noses for the ball. So I'm not sure it's that big a deal. And if you look around the league, like who are the bigs that are like really, really going to hurt you in a post-up situation? Like you look at, like Sydney, it's Jarrell Martin. Like you, you instantly go Jarrell Martin, right? But mm. the problem with Sydney don't play Jarrell Martin in the post. <laughs> so, like, who are you? I'm looking around the league. Who are you worried about? Adelaide with Daniel Johnson not having a great year. Cairns, like Zimmerman's not like you're not like going. Hey, let's post up Big Zim tonight. Like that's not <laughs> the way they. Like there's no one around the league. Duop Reith is one, but again, Duop Reith is more of a perimeter guy, and I feel like Vic Law can, you know, shake it with him out there. I just, I just look at all these groups and I go, who really has Joe, Joe, Big Joe's the same? I think Vic Law can body with him. Like I, I just don't think so. And the, I will say about Luke Travers, seven percent from the three point line. <laughs> right, yeah, it's not so great. that's that's where we're at, and. That's cool, but they they have to make an adjustment for that. They have to find ways to get him close to the rack so he doesn't become a liability. Like we've kind of seen whenever like I'm not comparing him to Galloway from New Zealand, but they guard him like they like teams guard Galloway. It's like please shoot, right? Mm-hmm. And they need to uh they need to fix that asap. And that's that's the only weakness I really see. And I agree with you on the bigs. Like the bigs. I just go, well, hopefully, you know, it's just a position filler for them. Like, they're not looking for points out of that spot. They're just looking to clean glass and protect the rim. 
and they've had a few troubles on the defense on the defensive rebounding end. But you've got to hope that Vic Law and Travers can ease some of that burden. But let's do Melbourne now because I think we I think we both weren't overly high on this team. I thought they were a fringe playoff team. I didn't think they were a contender. Are we buying it? I'm kind of buying it, honestly. Um, I'm eating my words a little bit because I sort of had them maybe on the fringe of finals contention um, going into the season. I thought the roster was a clear downgrade from last season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, last season was an incredible roster, so it's not it's a not a big thing to say that. Um, I thought going with one import was ballsy. Um, <laughs> I, I like Agata. I had early season doubts when, you know, it took him a little while to get into form. Obviously, he's playing great now. Um, and then, look, they just... It, obviously, they've proven their worth on the defensive end. And, um, you know, Dean Vickman's got them playing at a higher level in that way. Um, but I I am still a little bit skeptical offensively. Um, we're talking today as Matthew Dalvadova's just dropped what was it like 33 points or something? Yeah, seven threes or eight threes. Yeah, and like that's awesome. I love Dally. Great to see him pop off like that. And you, if you're getting that from Matthew Dellavedova every night, this United team is tough. <laughs> um, yep. But for me, the reality is that is like the biggest statistical anomaly of the season so far. <laughs> yeah, it's an like, outlier. I, I looked at Dally's three-point percentage earlier. So like 10% yeah, on the He was 3 for 22 coming into the game or something. Yeah. Now, if he's turned the corner and, you know, he's finally found the light with this new shooting technique, then so be it. That's awesome. But I'm skeptical. Yeah, like, gorgeous to say. Like, gorgeous. Like, yeah, we're taking away, Chris. Like, I'll live with this. We might have to make some adjustments now. And I think Illawarra played that game right. Like, I don't think they made too many mistakes in regards to that. But Melbourne needed someone to step up, and Delhi was that guy today. I was shocked. Like, I was shocked that he did that. And, you know, it's like, you know, everyone everyone's played, right? Like, you kind of – you sometimes just get in a zone where you feel like you throw the ball over your head and it's still going to go in. Like, Delhi was in that sort of a zone. And, like, good for him. Like, I'm really happy for him. I, I really like Delhi. I think he's been a great addition to the league. I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. And I, I actually really like Melbourne as a as a consequence of him signing there. You know, like, I just think he's great for the game. But am I betting on that happening again? No. Like, can some bookies please put up some over-unders markets on Delhi threes? <laughs> because I will take the under next week. Like, the reversion will happen. Uh, but, like, again... But you can only judge them on the win. I didn't think... I, I agree with you, though. Like, I'm not 100%. I'm not there yet on this team. Because I look at the CV, I'm not that impressed with what I've seen so far. They got beaten up by Southeast Melbourne, granted, without Chris Goulding. And they got beaten by Sydney, granted, without Chris Goulding. And, then they'll go, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But they, had, they were missing guys for those games. Their wins against the Kings, the Kings were decimated. Let's be real. Like the Kings, mm. I'm not willing to excuse the Kings now, but I was willing to excuse them back then because they just didn't have bodies to go, right? What, they beat the Breakers, who were ravaged as well, and they and they just barely, just barely beat Tasmania. And like, so the CV, today was the first like game where I go, that's a signature win. Mm. And 
I'm not sure I'm there yet to be all in on this group. I think they're overachieving a bit. I think I'm a big critic of Dean Vickerman. I think he's doing a good job. I think defensively he's done a very good job with his team. And also a lack of talent has forced him to be more has forced him to be more cutthroat with his rotations, I think, as well. Um, and the other thing I don't see standing up all year is I think they have like this team posts up all the time. And I'm just not sure that's a winning move with like I love JLA. I think he's I think he's a great player and all that, but I'm not sure like that's the way to win games come playoff time. It's like, you know what, I'm gonna throw the ball in the big Joe or I'm gonna throw it in the hook porty. I, I think you I think Chris has got to kind of go ballistic and, and a guard is a guard has been a big difference, right? Because since Chris has been back, you feel like he's been freed up a little bit. Is this is this the real Agata or is the start of the season the real Agata? I, I don't uh, know. Look, I, I think it might be a little bit of both. I yeah. think, I mean, I came in thinking that Agata was going to be better than we he had. See, this the is the thing. Like, you were really high on Agata. I was low on Agata. I was really <laughs> high on Franks and you were really low on Franks. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny, right? Well, that's the thing because I came in, um, I remember Agata had a great game for Nigeria against the US. I, it was before the Olympics. Mm. It was one of the... Um, the Preliminary games. Yeah, and he went off in that one. Um, and so I was basing it off off games like that. And, and obviously he, from the get-go, has been really good on the defensive end. I think that is probably the first thing, you know, if you compare to like Hobson from last season, for instance, Agard is better on the defensive end. He's mm. I, I really like him on that end. Um, I I think... In terms of is this the real Legata or not, I think it comes back to that um, the early omission of, of CG. I think, as you said, it's freed up Legata a lot. Um, and that's all well and good, but I just feel like United's um, effectiveness on offense is so tenuous. Like they need everybody healthy for it to just work, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, Chris's shooting is so pivotal to just anything being tenable on that end um you know especially if you are throwing it into jla as much as you are and and doing that sort of stuff inside you need some semblance of spacing and early in that season when you've got delhi shooting 10 percent um you've got you know I, I, who are they starting on the wing at the time what brad newley or something kind yeah, of brad newley and like the that just doesn't work. You know, you, you can't just be dumping it into the post and having them collapse on that so hard with no shooters. Mm. Um, so I think it's freed a garter up a lot. Um, I think it's working for now, but I, this is the thing in the back of my mind with United. And it's the thing that could get me over the line with them is they still have two vacant imports. Yes. This is the thing. This is the elephant yeah. in the room. Right, like they've got two vacant import spots where if they load up with two stars, they become the favourites. Do they do that though? I don't know. I feel like they could swap because they've got a full roster. They'd have to cut someone or do something. I don't think they do that for two imports. I feel that they might be looking for one One. extra. That could be enough if it's the right fit. Um. I feel like they could do with another wing because if you look at, I mean, power forward's pretty thin as well. You know, I, I, my Bell suggestion was power forward. Yeah, that was you could, where you I could saw definitely it. do that. 
Um, I think that is. We'll, we'll look. Maybe the answer's both. Maybe the answer's like a 3-4 tight oh, That's what I thought of. 3-4 yeah. utility would be really handy, I think, for this team. And if you like really it, wanted yeah. a luxury item, I'd take a 5 as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because, I mean, they have Huck Porty backing up the 5. Yeah. And he's he's doing things. Uh, I mean, he's been more effective than, than half the next stars. Mm. I think that's been a pretty low bar this season. Yeah. Um, but the look... And this is my issue with Huck Porty. Like, he's very talented. Obviously, he's a physical specimen. Mm. Um, but he's really he's raw, raw especially, especially on defense. Like, I've just been watching him jump at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, they chuck it in to the post occasionally, and he doesn't quite have that poise yet to, to get it done off his own bat. Um, but I feel like they can afford to deal with that, given how tight they've been as a defensive unit. Like, they can sort of handle his his little mistakes here and there and all that. Um, so I'd be okay leaving the five as it is. Um, for some reason, they signed Callum Dalton to a full deal as well. So they got they got a bit of depth there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that three, four spot, even if it's a guy just in the mold of, um, thinking of Adelaide, like Todd Withers. Obviously, yeah. he's not doing heaps in Adelaide. But for United, like he, they just need another option, another guy that can play a few positions like that. For and, a United throwback, like... A DJ Kennedy type. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They they don't need another star. Um, but someone even the Ty Wesley some shots. Like, well, I'm not saying obviously Ty's obviously retired, right? <laughs> but I'm saying like a player in that sort of a mold yes. who is that sort of like clunky veteran big who can who's a jack of all trades sort of thing. Like, and don't mm. get me wrong, I like Jack White. Like, I don't. It's not me knocking Jack White here, but I feel like he's that energy guy, and I think he could be really good coming off a bench and coming in and changing games, getting offensive glass. And if you want to play him late, play him late too, and you can play you know, a multitude of bigs in there. But it's I feel like they need – they just need an extra layer of scoring, which I don't think they – like they can't mm. rely on Delhi having 33 points <laughs> if Chris gets locked up. They just can't. And in the short term, yeah – but like we got a string of games coming up. Going to Adelaide, that'll be tough, right? Going to Brisbane, that won't be easy either. I've also got another thing I'm going to have to say about Melbourne United. Um, this will be a controversial take here, so don't worry. You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> like at Michael here, like it's me. It's all on me here. Melbourne United get away with a lot of contact on the ball, like a lot of contact on the ball, like no other team in the NBL. Caleb Caleb Agada has two hands on on a ball hand like every time he's defending, right? It worked at Illawarra, that's fine. But I question how they're gonna how are they gonna get away with that on the road when they go to some of these you know big ven like big you know big time teams come closer to the playoffs. Like, are they going to allow Agada to do that against Bryce Cotton? I just I don't think so in Perth. Like, they're mm. not going to get away. They play really handsy defense. It's a bit like the old Gorgian thing. It's it's not a foul if every possession's a foul, right? <laughs> so, like, that's what we were always taught. Like, if you set the tone and you foul on every possession, then they're not going to want to call it every time down the floor. So, therefore, you make that physical – you make that the standard. You set that as the precedent. And I feel like Melbourne United do that. And I feel like if you have a reputation as a defensive team in the league, you get away with a lot more because they go, you know what? They're just a tough defensive team. 
While if another team went out there, if the Adelaide 36ers went out there and pulled the same shit, right? They're like, nah, take a seat, bro. Like, it's they have this defensive reputation that's been spoken about since the offseason. And I feel like they get away with a hell of a lot based on reputation. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see, like, are they going to allow Caleb Agata to put two hands on Bryce Cotton when he has the ball facing him up on every possession? My answer is no, so I don't have them. I, I don't have Melbourne United as a contender. I have them as a playoff team, probably. But I, I said, I think in the preseason, I said, them or the Phoenix, depending on signings, injuries, etc. I have them as a playoff team. I don't have them. Like, I don't have them in the Perth conversation. Yeah, they've, they've bumped up a notch for me. As I said, I think I might have had them like fourth or yeah. fifth. I think pre-season. that was the logic where everyone sort of yeah. had them, right? Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. Like, just looking at them on paper. Um yeah, I, I mean, if if that concerns legitimate, and you don't think they're going to be able to sustain the defense, mm. you know, whether in a, in a change of officiating or whatever, then that that's pretty make or break for them because that's what they've you know made their season on so far. So I feel like I'm like you remember Will Weaver before Game Three, like a couple <laughs> of years ago, where it's like calling out that physicality, right? But it, but it exists. Like Melbourne United are doing it every game to teams. And, like, they're setting that as a tone now, and everyone, everyone in the media will go, what a great defensive team this is, blah, 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 right? Which sets, this, which sets this expectation that this team's a great defensive team, so everything that they're doing is, is completely cool. And I'm not calling victim for the Hawks today because Brian Gorgian's been doing <laughs> that for years, right? Brian Gorgian has set his – the magic were exactly this as well. They had a reputation as a really good defensive team, so therefore you get away with – a lot of fouling and a lot of dirty shit, right? Like you just you get away with it, and that's cool. You know, you if you can get away with it, you do it. I'm not bagging these teams out. If Melbourne can continue to keep doing. You keep pushing this envelope, keep doing it because it's winning you games right now, and they're clearly not calling it. But my question is, will they get away with it once you go against a guy who is protected a little bit, like Bryce Cotton? Ball game change. But onto the other team. I think we both got we both got Melbourne. Uh, so you still have Melbourne. Do you have Melbourne second? There? Like, where do you have Melbourne in that top four space now? Uh, you know what? I probably have them th- either third or fourth. I have um, probably Illawarra still in that second place. I've been been pretty impressed with the, with the Hawks. So let's far. do the Hawks now. Like, let's talk Hawks, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You based on their start to the season, right? They're four and two. Like, are you buying or selling the Hawks? Like, is there statement wins there for you? What if, like, are you higher on the Hawks now than what you were in the preseason? Or are you same level? Or have you dropped off on your belief in them a little bit? I, well, it was interesting because I was not completely sold on them preseason. Mm. Um, I thought they were a good team, maybe not a great team. Um, and then I, I like everyone sort of sipping the Kool-Aid after their first few wins thinking, Jesus, team's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that is the thing with the Hawks is that they're going to be quite streaky. And yeah. you look at their roster, they have a load of playmaking, uh, or shot-making specifically, um, but it's very perimeter-orientated. Um, you know, Tyler Harvey, you guys, is going to, you know, jack it from deep. Drop Reith. Amazing player, great addition to the league. But he, as you mentioned before, he's very perimeter orientated as well. Um, you know, Jessup, 
they're going to live or die by the three-point shooting a lot. And, you know, we know how valuable the three-point shot is. That's more of a good thing than a bad thing. Um, but I do think it is kind of volatile as well. Mm. And I was thinking about the Hawks before the pod, and if there's one grievance I have with the roster construction, it's the signing of Xavier Rathan Mays. And I know a lot of people like him, and they were talking about him today as you know, a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's a, he's a good player. He's very shifty. I enjoy watching him score the ball. And I like the concept that the Hawks had, and I remember hearing Gorgian talk about this, where they wanted to bring in a point guard where they could shift Harvey off the ball more mm. a la a Bryce Cotton. And I thought that was brilliant. But if you're going to do that, then surely you bring in a more a guy that has some more balanced point guard play, more of a floor general, um, than a guy like Rathan Mays where I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, he can score, but the guy's got one gear and that is go get a bucket. Yeah, I don't think it really helps that Harvey dynamic that they were going for. Um Obviously, they initially signed Travis Trice, and you know he would have sort been a better player. He's an awesome player, um, but, he's but he's sort of the same thing as well. He's right? the same thing. He's the same thing. Um, I would have seen, liked to seen a bit more of a pass first guy mm. in that role, um, a guy that can score a bit but also pass a bit, play some defense as well. I think that's the other concern I have about the Hawks. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Last season, they had a like a solid defensive personnel, but not like a, a massively insane defensive team on paper. But of course, there's the Gorgian factor and he bumps them up a couple of notches and they're a great defense. This season, I feel like they um, got a little bit cocky in that sense and sort of thought, look, we can get whoever they w- want, you know, in terms of their ability on defense and Gorge will turn water into wine. That hasn't necessarily happened this season. Um so that's another reason why I would have liked to see a few more defensively orientated guys. Um, I kind of miss Justin Simon, to be honest. Mm. Um, he was awesome last season. He's doing great things in Germany this season. Not a knock on Antonius Cleveland because he's been an above average import in his own right. But I feel like Simon would have fit in really well here and he would have been even more um, serviceable offensively because they have Reith at the five now who's stretching the floor. Like, I think it could have worked. Um, so I have a few issues with how they put it together, but for the most part, it's a great team. They're pretty deep, um, and they've been playing great basketball. I have some issues with them. They're different issues to yours, actually. I'm a big fan yeah. of Antonius Cleveland. I think he kind of yeah. provides exactly... I think he provides exactly what was offered last year with offensive punch. So I really like him. I think he's great in transition. I think he's pretty like I think he's very good defensively. I'm I've been nothing but impressed with him. Like his jumper's a little bit you know, his jumper's a little bit off, but let's be honest, like Simon's was no oil <laughs> painting, right? it's Cleveland's looks better. Mm. I, I really like Cleveland. That's that's my point for starters there. I really like Jess I, I I think Jessup fits well. I think he looks more comfortable this year, which I think is good. Like, I think the role is a bit like these extra guys now that you've got Cleveland and Reith and that. Jessup's not the number two guy anymore. Jessup's just that knockdown guy, which I think really suits him. My negative on this group is I'm not as big a buyer as Sam Froling as what the rest of the world is. And I know that's harsh. And I know he can play... 
but I feel like that was the spot for the import. Like the Sam Froling thing, yeah, he was huge against the Kings, but today he was below average. I thought he got shown up pretty badly today. I didn't think he looked comfortable at all. He shot the ball badly. I thought it was just... I just don't see him as a week-to-week guy you can count on. I I respected his game against the Kings. You know, I, I rate him as a player. I think he's a great up-and-coming player, but it's so hard to be successful as a young big in this league. It really, really is. Like, it's just a, it's just a body frame thing. I'm not sure... Like, and again, this isn't me saying Sam Froling shouldn't be playing and stuff like that. Sam Froling's a gun player. But if I think if you're wi- wanting to win a championship, he's like a 15-minute to 20-minute guy, not a 30-plus guy. And yeah. I, I, you know, and it just worry That worries me a little bit just because he's not really a perimeter threat. He's not really a low-block threat. He had no confidence going against Akil today. Uh that worried me a lot for them. I agree with you on Rath and Mays, but I feel like maybe that's the role he's been told to play. I don't know. Like, is he capable of, like, does he only have that one gear? You know, like, does he have a bit of variety to his game where he can be the creator? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm maybe this is what he's being asked to do. Maybe they need to shift him in how he plays the game. And let's be honest, I don't think Tyler Harvey's had a great start to the year comparative to last year. I don't think he's shot the ball particularly well. His scoring's down. And I get why, because he's surrounded by more talent now. But it's just a few... Again, my problem, my thing about Illawarra is there's a few little things that need to be ironed out. And maybe... I think Gorgian might have got it right going for the point. Because I would have gone my instant solution if I was GM there would have been we're going import at the four so then we're going with Harvey Jessup Cleveland import wreath but again I think the point guard makes sense right now because you can go like you can it does offer Harvey Harvey's not a natural one so yeah it makes sense so I'm not judging this team. I think this team's a contender. I think they're right up there. There's just a couple of niggling issues with them for me. And they just, they look a little, little, little bit stagnant on offense. I'm not sure if that's fair, but it looks like they rely highly once again on, they, they look so reliant on trans, like they look so good in trans, whether it's transition threes or transition getting at the rack. They look amazing. But once you get them in the half court, it's a bit like, last year where it just seems like it's a ton of pick and roll it's really stodgy with harvey and if if you have if you're playing against someone like delhi today he can get you in the mud right delhi's a mud wrestler he'll just get you down there he'll drown you in there and it's a bit of a problem i i look at it and wreath i've been a huge buyer of wreath i thought he probably deserved more minutes on the boomers to be honest with you he's playing a little bit away from the rim for me like he's settling for turn. Like we don't need turnaround fadeaway mid-range jump shots. Get at the paint or hit your three ball. I I don't like this mid-range. Like there's some, and he's making some of them. Like he played against the Kings the other night, and he's like, well, Cooks had him on a couple of them, and he's like, wow, tip your hat, that's too good. But it's a bit like the Delhi three, the Delhi hitting eight, what seven or eight threes today, right? You you go, yeah, I'm willing to tip my hat once because I bet you you're not going to do that again, and. I, he just some of the shot choices aren't great. I I just would prefer him. You know the old analytics data: shoot the three ball and pick and pop, 
or get at the rack because you is such a big body and I don't mind his his baby hook is is soft as butter it looks fantastic right but it's uh I just don't like this mid-range jump shot game whether it's him or anyone so I, they look very stagnant for me unless Cleveland etc getting out in trans with uh with uh you know Jessup and Harvey filtering out to the wings for open transition threes. They look a little bit stagnant for me in the half court, but they were last year. So, you know, mate, that's that's another area I'd say they need to improve. Uh, a team that needs to improve, let's let's talk about the Sydney Kings, man. Like, this was the preseason favourite. I had them finishing second, like, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think they were as good as Perth, but I had them finishing second. And I have major questions about this team now um not from a not even from a roster perspective i have problems from a a structure perspective but what are your what's your take on the kings yeah i was high on them preseason as well i think i had concerns about the fit and the roster makeup but i felt like it was at a point where you just couldn't ignore the amount of talent that they'd accumulated um obviously there's been a lot of adversity there um Mm. The RJ Hunter situation is not great. I was looking forward to him. I thought he was yeah. going to be a really good import. Um, you had a lot of, what, niggly things leading up to this point, and now he's out for the season. Um, and it's all well and good that they can they can get a replacement now, but as we know, the market is very difficult right now. You know, NBA guys are getting picked up left, right, and center, and it, it, you would presume it would be hard to get someone of his caliber, of his resume, um, to fill his spot. Um, Jalen Europe, Adams. Everyone's Europe's everyone's locked in too, right? Yeah, it, it's super difficult. I, I don't think any team wants to be in a situation where they're looking for an import right now. Mm. Um, yeah, Jalen Adams missed a lot of time as well. I haven't been super impressed with him in the time that he's been back, and that's not to you know cast any definitive judgments because he hasn't had a lot of time on the floor. Um, but he was a guy I, I liked his. Um, the look out of him from the G League. You know, he has been very successful in that setting. Um, But it seems like he hasn't really imposed himself on the games up to this point. And I think they're going to need that because if you look at the rest of their roster, um, I think they need him to sort of be the head of the snake offensively. Um, the, The rest of the offense isn't very coherent or cohesive to me. Um something we were talking about before the pod, this team was built through the um, the style of, of Buford as a coach, as a get-up-and-down team um, where everyone can handle the ball, everyone's pushing the pace. And to me, that never made sense because this team is probably the biggest team on paper <laughs> of all the teams in the league. Yeah. And it's all well and good to say, oh, yeah, like um, McCall Maker handles the ball in high school highlights or... You know, Jarrell Martin handles the ball. At the end of the day, they're really big. You know, you're talking about having to play Cooks at the three a little bit, you know, potentially, and all these different options. That's not a team that's built for pace and space. There's no spacing right now. And, you know, they're not they're not suited to a, a pace offense. I don't really know how that's going to work for them going forward. No, I, I hate the structure, man. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate watching it. It's stagnant. It's it's excruciating. 
to put it bluntly. Uh, I watch this team and like you say, they're the biggest. I'm just looking at some of the data now on the Kings, right? It's pulled up the data because I feel like I've been saying this whole time. My, my eye test has been telling me this and I haven't looked at the data, right? They, they are the biggest team in the competition, bro. Like they have the best like post weapon. Like Jarrell Martin is potentially, I think he's the best low block scorer in the NBL, right? You know, they have the lowest post up frequency in the entire NBL by a country mile, right? Mm. The only team close to them is Tasmania, who, let's be honest, what, are they throwing the ball into Fabian Krizlovich? <laughs> you know, like, you've got Jarrell Martin. What are you doing? I just, I feel like this Kings team, it's it's this G League story all over again. As you said, it's, you know, it's just spread the floor. It's space and spread, right, where you where you be, go off the dribble, and then you kick out to shooters. And they haven't had a point guard in Jalen Adams who's been able to get second to draw secondary help to kick out to shooters to begin with. They've finally got him back now, and I, I'll, I'll give him credit that he might be a step off the pace due to injury, right? No question. I, and I go, you know what? That'll be fixed. But Wally Bales isn't that guy. Like, you know, this team's built for Adams that they'll get better with this. But it's just not improving, man. And I just don't see, like, you can... And we all know you can send secondary help in the NBL off of non... It's not like the NBA where you've got it. You know, you've got defensive three seconds. You've got to be within... A, you know, you've got to be within the specified different distance of your defender, etc., which makes it harder, right, to, to help off the right guys. Here, like, in the NBL, you can help off whoever. So you can leave... And they've got guys who, like, are not three-point shooters. Right, so they can pick and choose who they help off of. It's so stagnant. I just feel like everyone just stands around and watches the ball handler, waits for a kick out three at the end of the clock. That's that's what it is. And you, Gaze made a great point in commentary today. I thought he was very astute with what he said here, where he goes like, in the I think the Kings didn't have it. What was it? There was some how many ever minutes to close the game. And the Kings didn't have a field goal. Right, like. The pay, you know, all this spread the floor stuff, all this NBA spread the floor garbage is fine when things are rolling and things are going well. But when you need just to get a score, when you need something, when things aren't going and you go, you know what, like we've seen Perth do it for years, man, with the flex. They go, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to look at this and this option here and this is how you're providing them with a direction as to when they've lost confidence, you're providing them with a specific play. You're providing them with a specific option for them to play to. And it takes the thinking out of their minds. And Sydney don't have that. It's just like everyone just shut themselves today. And everyone, it was like, you handle it, you handle it, you handle it. And there was no, nothing to, there was no safety net. There was nothing to fall back on. There's nothing like, oh yeah, let's go to flex now. Let's run that for Bryce, right? There's none of that with this team. And it's just, it's, it's really hard to watch. And let's be honest, man, they should have lost. That first game against Melbourne, they led by what, like 20 something points. And they almost lost, right? It's just, this team loses its mind at times. I find it real. I, I think they're a really talented team, and it's not me smashing Buford here. Like, I, I you got to give everyone a bit of time to adjust to the league and that. But like, boy, the the clock on that, like, allowing that sort of allowing that leeway is, I think, is ticking. Not, I'm not calling for jobs or any of that sort of stuff. But it's like, I think there is criticism can start coming through soon, and I think the rotations are putrid. 
Like, we're playing 11 guys in the first quarter. What? It's a 40-minute game. What are we doing? Like, I don't know. The other night against the Hawks in a winnable position. Okay, I'll sub out Xavier Crooks because that's my rotation. It was one of my biggest frustrations with Will Weaver too. I just feel like it's this G League mentality. I just don't understand. What have you have you experienced this frustration as well, or are you not at that point with the Kings because you just didn't think they were that good to begin with? Uh look, I'm probably more inclined to give them excuses for where they are up to this point. Like I feel like on the way they constructed it, I think it had a chance to work. Mm. Um, I think you know we talked about the Hawks before, and they've leaned heavily on you know just their shot making talent. Um, and I think Sydney had a chance to be able to do that and get away with it. Mm. But you make a really good point. Like, the NBA is the pace and space league, um, and there's a reason for that. You know, the rules and specifications, the wrinkles within that are, are tailored, you know, more towards that being successful. Um, and when you get into a style of play like the NBL or an overseas league, you at least need something to fall back on, you know, some more system in place, I think. And with the issues they've had up to this point, yeah, may, maybe there are justifications and reasons why, you know, they've struggled up to this point. And that's fair enough. But at the end of the day, their season's on the line right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the bar has to get higher and higher because the room for error is getting really small. Mm-hmm. They can't afford to keep making excuses at this point, justified or not, because they're going to have to make something work. Um, I, I think that's going to have to start with with Adams finding his finding his groove. Yeah. I think they they're just going to have to land upon that, and you know, ho- hopefully they can find a good replacement for RJ Hunter and and make things work. Because I mean, there's things I love about the Sydney Kings team in terms of the players. You know, like mm. Xavier Cooks is one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah. Oh my! Like the guy just knows how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. He's skilled in. Pretty much every facet of the game, bar you know shooting the ball. If this team was if this team was five and three instead of three and five, like we'd be having discussions with him as MVP candidate. Honestly, and I'm saying that legitimately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not you know your um, conventional first option no. type guy. Jack of all trades. Yeah, but his impact is is profound on these games. I don't think they would be where they are right now without how he's gone you know I think he he's so versatile in that front court as well like you can play him um you know next to Martin and it works you can Mm -hmm. play him next to a more conventional center and it works you can play him at the five and go small and it works um he's such a good player and then you know that they've always been pretty deep whether they should be exercising all of that depth you know in an NBL season is another question (laughs) Um, I, I agree. I, I'm you not know, sure probably... Galloway's ready. I, I don't like picking on kids, but I'm just not sure when your season's on the line, Galloway's nah. coming in in the first quarter. I'm just and not sure about that. You don't need to. Like, no. he, he's a luxury on this roster. He's still a DP as he's far still a kid. as I'm aware. Yeah. You know, you've got Vasiljevic back now. You've got Glover. Um, Wani Swakala Bullock's even done a serviceable job sure. so far. As, he's playing over 30 like. minutes a night. He's playing the highest minute count on the team. Yeah, Bizarre. so I don't know why you need to lean on Galloway. I like him. I've watched him in junior events. I think he's a really promising player, but he's just not there yet, and there that's yet. fine. Yeah, you don't need to, you know, play every guy on the roster. You know, you just get dubs right now. Yeah, and this is the thing, right? So 
before I start getting, before my phone starts lighting up with messages from the Kings tomorrow. My, my thing about the Kings is I was willing to, I, I gave every excuse for this team. Like when they lost to, when they got flogged in Melbourne, I'm like, what do you expect? They're down all their imports. You know, it's just a night off, you know, and it doesn't matter if you lose by one. It doesn't matter if you lose by 50. It's still an L in your column. Everyone goes percentage, Carl, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't care about percentage. If you're playing for percentage, then you've already lost, right? It shows a loser's mentality if you're worried about that, right? It doesn't matter if you lose by one or 50, but if the under, if the structure that lies underneath is broken that is caught you can have a bad night and lose by 50 that's fine but if there's something is inherently broken within your structure or your personnel that is causing that 50 point loss then you're in trouble and i didn't believe at that stage that there was something broken underneath because i go you know what rj hunts is still to come back in which will help in that you know, in that space the floor style because he can actually hit the three ball. Uh, and I thought Jalen Adams is that guy who can blow by, guys. He's an athletic freak. He can get at the rim and then create. I go, like, there's so many body, like, there were so many people who are out. Angus Glover as well. You know, like, we've had various people out. I've been like, yep, I give them a pass. But now that, like, you can't be losing to the breakers at home with everyone barring RJ Hunter, who is now gone for the season, you're going to have to go find someone else. Like, I just don't know. I, I don't know where they go from here. And, and the rotations are weird, man. Like, like it's it's just that, you know, not to use it, like, I was going to make a joke here. I was just going to say, like, it's about as weird as, like, some of the NBL commentators, you know, like, not following me on Instagram but watching all my stories, bro. You know, like, it's... <laughs> It's fucking bizarre. Like, it's... I, I just don't understand these... Rota- I don't understand playing 11 guys in the first quarter. Like, that is... I've never seen it. I, I don't even think Will Weaver did that. So, I something's... The writing's on the wall for the Kings. Like, they, they're real... Like, their backs are against the wall. And as we both said tonight, this is... It's pa- I think there's panic stations, right? Because you're three and five. There's 20 games to go. And you've got a pack that's moving in front of you. Like the Wildcats are at five and one, Melbourne's at six and two, the Hawks are at four and two, and the Phoenix are at three and two, right? And I don't think the Phoenix are out of reach. I don't think anyone's out of reach yet, but you've got to start, you've got to be a couple of games above 500. And I'm just not sure they're, they're looking like it. Like the Bullets look like a better team right now. Like the Bullets look like a bigger threat to the current four than what the Kings do right now. And that's saying something. And if you look at the Kings, I'll just have a look at their next few games coming forward now. Uh, so they got the Breakers again. Um, then the Wildcats. Then the Jack Jumpers. Then the Wildcats. You better get one of those Perth games. Yeah. Yeah, and the are only going to keep coming. It's looking... Like, apart from the jack jump, and, and that's the jack jumpers on the road. Do we trust them to get the job done against the jack jumpers on the road right now? I'm not sure. No, sorry, that's Google's Google's things are all wrong. Sorry, it's an old schedule. They've updated. I'm looking at mbl.com.au now. So they've got Brisbane next week in Brisbane. Tough. Brisbane at home. Tough. Right? So that's not, they're not two easy wins. I think the Bullets have just about look, looked as good as anyone in the NBL. The week after, they got the Wildcats at home. Tough. Like, 
And then they've got Cairns at home. That should be a win. And the Jack Jumpers on the road. That should be – like, if you lose one of them, pack your bags. Yeah. But, like, they've got to come up big. They've got the Bullets, Bullets, Wildcats. There is a potential this team will be 3-8. and eight. And I can't believe we're saying that about the Sydney Kings, given the hype and the preseason bookmakers' favourites, etc. Without saying the obvious, that is way too big of a hole for them to climb out That's of. That's it. Season yeah. over. They, I think they have to win two out of their next three. Yep. And that's tough to do. Like, they're going to have to beat Perth at home, I think, because I don't think they're beating the Bullets twice. I just don't. I, don't, I actually don't think, they're going into, I don't think they're going to Queensland next week and winning. I'll say it now. Brisbane will win that game. Um, uh, I'd be pressed to favour them in, in, in any of those matchups. I, I would not be surprised at all if they go 0-3 yeah. in the next three. That's, that's bad news for them. Let's do the Phoenix too, because that was ugly yesterday, and a lot of people are giving out the pity party excuses for the Phoenix not turning up. COVID this, COVID that. Well, like the Bullets turned up the week before and you all laughed at them for losing to New Zealand. <laughs> and the same happened in week one when New Zealand got flogged at home and their coach couldn't even attend. So, like, if we're going to celebrate the Phoenix in round one, beating New Zealand without a coach and they're arguably their best player and other players coming off COVID, then I'm not willing to give the Phoenix a break. I'm in a bad mood tonight. It's not your presence. <laughs> Don't worry, Michael. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this so far. But I wasn't impressed with the Phoenix yesterday. I thought they looked completely lost. I'm willing to give them a one-off, a one-off, um, a one-off, you know, loss here. But there's some alarming signs with the Phoenix. They lost to the Kings when the Kings were down all their bodies too. So, like, where are they at? Do you, you high on them or are you low on them? Where are you at with Southeast Melbourne? Look, I think I'm I think I'm higher than you are on them, mm. but I roughly agree that they're a good team. I'm not sure if they're a great team, and they do have some pretty clear concerns. Um, I, I, I like the way they were constructed out of the gate. Like, I, I love that they got Xavier Munford. Mm. Obviously, he's been really good up to this point. And the thing I really like is that, and and they've been after a guard with size for you know since yes. they came into the league. Mm is that means, you know, he's switchy on D. You can bring in a Liafa or an Adnum and it, it's more tenable. Um, so that that's all well and good. I love what they did with that. Um, obviously, Mitch Creek having another ripping season. I think my concerns, prime, the first thing is the wing. Um, you know, Brockoff is supposed to be that, you know, number one wing for them. And for all the talk about him having this, you know, potential bounce back season, but percentages have been worse than last season, and we all know how underwhelming last season was. Now, obviously, he's, you know there's a lot of reasons for that, and we hope that you know he finds his form. Great player when when healthy and playing at his peak. Um, but you take Brockoff out of the equation, and what's your wing rotation? There, it's really like Liafa, Glidden, Tarangi. I, I find that really uninspiring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then well, the other the other thing is the center rotation. I'll let you get into that. But yeah, they're, they're my main two concerns with this team um, that you know are going to cause some issues for them down the track. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And uh, where's Cam Glidden at this week? He seems every time they're like the Phoenix play well or Joe Chi has a great defensive game, I get tagged and stuff by Cam Glidden. Where are you this week, brother? Because you got <laughs> smacked. Um, didn't see any tags this week. Uh, must have missed it. Maybe my notifications went on, brother, but uh, they weren't there. So, uh, in regards to the Phoenix, uh, 
I'm a little more. I was real. I was higher on them than most people at the start of the season. I think Tommy did an excellent job in terms of his recruiting. I think Tommy nailed it. I think Joe Chi is a great signing in the sense that the Phoenix have missed rim protection for years. Like it's been their one huge issue. Uh, they've had no ability to stop anyone defensively, especially in the paint. And I get the signing, but at the same time, it does create issues of its own. I have no idea how the Fe- I have no idea how the Phoenix are going to match up with uh, either with either Perth because Perth run a lot of high ISO stuff where they get the switch that they want, then they just let Bryce kill you slowly. Um, and I just don't see how if the Bullets are taking advantage of that where Simon Mitchell couldn't put him on the court, then how are they going to cope with Perth? And how are they going to cope with Tyler Harvey at Illawarra? And you can be guaranteed if you want to win a title, you're going to have to go through them. Like, I don't think that it won't be a problem against Melbourne. Like, Chris is great, but Chris is more of a three-point. He hasn't, he hasn't got those electric handles or quicks. And that's not a knock on him. Like, I think Chris is arguably, the, I think he's probably the best Australian player in the NBL. Uh, but apart from maybe Cooks. And that's a tough call, I know, but there's plenty of good ones. But I'd probably take Chris. And but my thing about it is, Chris isn't beating you. Chris isn't beating you getting at the like he's shown some you know sneaky ability to get to the paint and all that sort of stuff for you know some layups he did it today. But he's not like this. You know, Bryce and Tyler Harvey have this that extra level of handle um, that. I think is going to cause Southeast Melbourne a lot of problems in that regard. So Southeast Melbourne have got to come up with other ways to get around that. Um, yeah. So the Brandon Ashley thing, we'll see what happens there. I agree with gays on the weekend too. If I'm like Dane Pino, I'm like, does this organization have any faith in me? Because like, it's like, okay, cool. You go and sign Joe Chi. That's fine. I'll come off the bench. Oh wait, you're going to sign another big and you play Mitch Creek at the four. Uh, what? That would be my question. I, I don't know what really that's all about. I would have gone like, as you said, I would have addressed the need at the wing with an import. But hey, not not my call. They they see what's going on day to day in training. Maybe they thought they're a little bit thin as bigs. Uh, but yeah, I just there's something off about this group too, right? It's a bit like the King. There's just something not right about them. And again, they're, they're, what are their signature wins? Like, I don't really see it. They beat the breakers who were smashed by COVID. They beat the breakers who were smashed by COVID. They beat Melbourne United's a signature win, but Chris didn't play. Is it a signature win? Probably not. Right. Then they beat, then they lost to the Kings. Then they got smashed by the bullets. Like, what am I excited about? That's yeah, when, when you put it out like that, um, it really puts their their record into context. I don't think they've proven themselves yet. Um, look, I think this is I, a good team. Though I'm not, yeah, I'm not destroying this team. I think Mumford's great. I think I think Joe Chi is great against certain line. I think Joe Chi is great against the majority of lineups. I'm just saying, come playoff time, uh, if I'm Simon Mitchell, I'm shitting myself about him on an island against Bryce Cotton or Harvey. That's all I've been saying since the offseason. I just go, that's a weakness of his game. He has so many strengths. He'll be an unbelievable player in the NBL. He's had some huge nights already, no question, right? But if you can have an import, or even we saw it with Sobey and Patterson on the weekend, right? There are ways you can expose it. 
and it's up to Simon Mitchell to find ways to cover that up in drop, you know, whether you run with drops, whether you run with blacks, you know, there's various ways in which you can overcome that, you know, whatever you want to call it, black or ice, right? Um, there's ways you can get around it and scheme around it, but you can't just leave the, you can't leave the poor big fella up there on an island with a guy who's over a foot shorter than him to deal <laughs> I, with, with an electric I, handle. You can't. I've got to say, I'm appreciating your fully fleshed out and balanced uh, take on Joe Chi right now because, and I, I might just be speaking for Cam Glidden here, but yeah. I feel like on Twitter you have come across as a bit of a Joe Chi hater. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a Joe Chi. If anyone <laughs> reads the tweets, it's like underneath, I'm like, this guy's great. Like, it's only specific things where it's going to, and the problem is, though, it's two of your biggest competitors. And it's up to Simon Mitchell to come up with ways to scheme around that. And mm. whether you do that through icing Cotton and Harvey so you don't allow them to go over the screen you and you get them off the three-point line, or alternatively, you run, a, you, know, you run more of a match-up zone where he drops off and you, and you switch the picker. And stuff like that. There are ways in which you can get around it. I just don't like the idea of, oh yeah, let's let's get involved in a switch and a high on ball with Joe Chi versus Bryce Cotton. Yeah, I, I think it's potentially a problem depending on the matchup, depending on the team. It's a it's a real concern. Um, you know, Chi has so many things going for him, and in so many respects, I think it was a bit of a godsend that he fell into Southeast slap this off season. Hmm. Um, but I, I I think it's pretty obvious that Southeast also know and Simon Mitchell knows that this is a, a flaw that they're going to have to be able to counter. Yeah. And I think Brandon Ashley, his signing um, was evidence of that because he's a guy that, you know, can move his feet and play D in the pick and roll. Um, obviously signed to be, I guess, a four or five, mm. um, you know, They've got Pino backing up the the five there, but um, I think there's definitely that intention of going smaller with Ashley at the five when required. Um, of course, whether that um, you know is to be the case, we'll have to see. Brandon's yet to play a game for Southeast, um, but it, I, I think it's their their biggest concern. I don't think they have like a outstanding defensive roster where they're no. just going to kill the point of attack and. Um, you know, limit those takes in pick and roll. Um, so I, I think that's it's a major issue for them, um, and they they see the wrong team, and th- it's just going to get exploited. It's yeah. And their that. guards aren't that great of defenders either in that high pick and roll to be able to help Joe Chi in that scenario as well, right? So they're not a great defensive team overall. You know, if I was teaming Delhi with Joe Chi, I'd be a lot more confident, mm. right? Because yeah, I know I mean, that then got... Delhi will make sure in ice that he makes sure that a guy is not getting over the pick, right? He's not getting over the pick. But I it's, just don't it's... trust those guys enough to be able to help him. Yeah. It, I, I like, you know, you heard it from Dean Vickerman's mouth earlier season, like Kyle Adnam. Worst fucking defender there in the you league. Go, the shittiest, li- smallest, shittiest little defender in the league. <laughs> words didn't come out of my mouth. Yeah, but that was the- Dino. And then Dino apologized afterwards. But we both know he meant it exactly what he said. Yeah. And I mean, that's the reality. And, you know, Adam, great player, but we all know 
he's a guy that you target on D. Yeah. If you've got Adnam and Cheon, for instance, at the same time, you're just going to go to that every, every single, single time. Every single time. Floor. And the yeah. Bullets and Simon Mitchell, if if I'm wrong, then Simon Mitchell is clearly wrong too because he benched him on the weekend. Right? Because yeah. it was just getting exposed. And Sobey has the capability to do that too. Sobey's not as good as as um Cotton, right? And you know he's a different sort of player to Harvey. But he presents that sort of same issue with that really athletic point guard. And I think Joe can be really good. Like, Joe will be super effective against Melbourne United. I said that before. Joe will be a beast against Melbourne United. Joe, mm. like, he will be really good in that match. Say that matchup occurs in the playoffs. I love the Phoenix. But I don't love them against the Cats or the Hawks based on that. And I think the Bullets can expose them as well. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you remember the uh, the battle of the big Joe, so to speak. Yeah. But I remember, you know, Luola Chul loves feasting on you know, smaller bigs yeah. in the paint. And then he's meeting, he's meeting Chi and just in his usual fashion, just trying to go over go the top, over the top. And finish. And Chi's just like blocking what everything. What the hell are you doing, man? Don't you know? Yeah. Like I'm like 7'2". Exactly. So he has his merit. He has his worth. Um, but Southeast have rightfully tried to um, accommodate for his flaws and, um, you know, bring in someone um, hopefully... Hopefully that's the answer. But at the end of the day, if Chi's your, um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's your third best player, Munford, Creek, and, and Chi. Yeah. Um, if he's a guy that can potentially be played off the floor, that's that's major. No. And <laughs> again, like, and then you got to take advantage on the other end. Like, you got to use him in ways that get him the ball on the other. Like, I know he's not a post up threat, right? I know he's mm. not a post up threat. But you got to get him in pick and roll actions. His hands are pretty good going to the rim, to be yeah. honest. Like, they're better than expected. They're very good. He's got soft touch. Like, I like him. Uh, but again, I think the two weaknesses that you can expose with the Phoenix with him is they've. So, what they've had in previous years defensively, like in terms of switchability and the ability to guard the three point line have been diminished. But on the other hand, they had no rim protection before. Well, now they've got the best rim protection in the NBA. So like it's, it's, you know, it's a tough thing and they're just going to have to manage it. Like it's, and it's not on him. He, he, he just has to go with what he is good at. And that's at protecting, at protecting the rim. And that's what they brought him in for. They just got to find ways to help him. So stuff like the weekend doesn't happen again. That's all. And in largely with the Phoenix, I think Mitch Creek's three ball is a, is a game changer for them this year. It looks so much better than even last year where I thought it was improved. I think Mud, I think Munford's really good. A lot of people have gone off him a little bit, but I really like him. I, I think they're overall, I, and I share some of your grief at the three spot. The three spot is a bit of a problem, but you know what? Like maybe the import at the four, maybe you can switch Creek down to the three that his three ball's better now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you can do that. And, like, let's be honest, like, I obviously noted that Brockhoff hasn't, you know, been doing too much this season, but we know his potential. He's such Correct. an X factor on that roster. He turns the corner. I'm, I'm putting my stock into Southeast. Like, they'd be looking pretty good. Oh, Ryan, and this is the thing the in Ryan a playoff Mo. game. This is the thing in a playoff game, right? Like, Ryan Brockhoff, he doesn't need to play well for the whole season, right? If you get in the playoffs, you're just happy because, you know what, if he lights up for 30 in game three... And he can't, and he goes unconscious like like Delhi did today. Who who can believe we're comparing a Delhi game to a Ryan Brockoff <laughs> in terms of shooting, right? But if he can go off and hit like seven threes or eight threes in a game, you're going to win that game. Yeah, 
right? So I just think it's they're a mixed bag. From they're a very very dangerous team. I'm not sure they're a consistent team. And again, we've seen that this year. Like they're they're a bit up and down. But I think I think they'll bounce back this year. I think this week. I think they'll they'll beat up. Uh, so who are they got? I remember marking it down that I thought they'd win this week, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're playing someone decent. No, they're playing the Jack Jumpers. I'm saying that's a lock, and I'm saying it's a, they're going to beat up on Cairns as well. They're, I think the, I think they're going to go to five and two by the end of this week. That's my call. So I think they're 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 safe. They're fine. Um, and Joe, and again, like before the money people start fucking putting my handle and everything again. Uh, Joe Chi is a really, really good NBL player. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic signing. I think that, you know, he's, he's going to have huge nights as he's already done. My question about Joe Chi is, can he guard Bryce Cotton? Can he guard Tyler Harvey in a playoff game? If they force that switch, I think some Mitchell's going to have to go to ice. And I think some Mitchell's going to have to throw some matchup zone stuff. And otherwise just played some, good old-fashioned drops and turn those two into mid-range shooters. I think they're the three options available, but they're going to have to do something because on the weekend, I thought they really missed out not having him on the court, and I think it hurt them. Fair? Fair. Top four team? Yeah, right now I have them top four, but as you said... I think they're, you know, subject to change either way. They're a hard team to pick right now. Yeah, they're in the... I'm in agreement. I, I have them... In the same, so I have a bracket of Southeast Melbourne, the Brisbane Bullets, and the Sydney Kings chasing that last spot. Yep. Yeah. I think I'm, they're I'm a step behind, and Melbourne United as well. Sorry, I'll put Melbourne in there as well. I think there's only two definitive playoff teams for me so far this year, and that is uh, Illawarra and Perth. And people go, Dolly, Illawarra lost to Melbourne. So, yeah, I get it. Delhi hit eight, th- seven or eight threes. Like, let's get mm. real. Yeah. Okay, so. Next team off the block. So who we let's go Brisbane. Brisbane have been a Brisbane have been a fun story, I think. I really like James Duncan, man. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like James Duncan too. Um I wasn't completely sold on them in the off season. Um as you mentioned earlier, I was probably lower on Franks than you were. Um and I'll admit that was from a very cursory glance. I looked at this guy and I thought, look, slightly undersized big um seems like a stretch big but his numbers weren't super efficient um but what i've come to to find out from watching him play this season is he's a lot more versatile than i gave him credit for um you know part of the reason that he may not shoot you know 40% from 3 is the variety of of shot making is is quite versatile like he's mm. shooting for someone his size shooting off the dribble you know pulling up in transition um, he really is mobile and, and talented on the offensive end. Um, and he's been a big spark for them. Um, obviously, Lamar Patterson, better than his season last season with the Breakers, um, you know, is somewhat back to the Lamar Patterson we're familiar with prior to that. Mm. Um, it's just a really solid team all around. As you mentioned, the coaching's been good. Um I like Sobe a lot more at the two than the one. Don't mind Sobe at the one in, in spurts, but um, the fact that you have Patterson and Kadi as, as extra ball handlers there, I like just getting Sobe in attack mode. I think that's where he is in his element. Um, 
And yeah, look, the the rest of the the roster, they're another really deep team. Not that they have to go, you know, eleven, twelve deep, um, but you know they've had con- contributions from from their bench pieces. You know, Moss, the the third importer, is yet to come in, um, and even like Jack Salt last week, you know, quickly showed that he is willing and able to contribute. I think that was pretty big for them because the minutes where Harrison's out, which you know can be a plenty, um, you know, and they had. Big Lou coming in um, off the bench. I mean, if you have grievances with Joe Chi and, and his limitations on the defensive mm. end of the floor, then Big Lou is is a big no-no. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was a big concern for Brisbane. I think Salt has sort of alleviated that concern a little bit. Um, and otherwise, I've just been, yeah, playing, playing really well. I'm really impressed by the Bullets. I think they've got three sign- like they've got some serious signature wins now. Like you know, you look at these teams I've said to you before, who are they beating? Who are they beating? Well, per- they have the biggest scalp of all. They have Perth in the jungle as a win. Yeah. They're beating Illawarra, another big scalp, I'd say. And now they've thumped Albeit, you know, people say oh, it's a run down south. It's still a southeast Melbourne. They still beat them, and southeast Melbourne had all their players. They weren't missing anyone, right? They had everyone available. And to be honest, I thought Mitch Creek played bloody well. I thought Mumford played well. And to be honest, like uh, Joe Chi, probably like they probably should have done better by him uh, in that game. But I, the bullets are, the bullets are fun. I. I had a positive, you know, I've, I've had a positive front on Frank since the announcement of the signing, but he ticked the same boxes for me as what Vic Law ticked in watching the tape. Like he just, that six foot seven guy who can shoot the three at 35% or above is athletic with a really long wingspan. They're, that's gold in the NBL, you know, like these guys, uh, there's a history of that being a success and that being a great foreman for your team. What I wasn't expecting though is his ability to be a ability to be a utility five a little bit, um, which they've kind of needed to do because I'm not sure the other two are ready off the bench. Like yeah. uh, Lou played really well on the weekend, but I thought it was a like for like thing with Joe Chi. Like I, I don't yeah. want Lou going against Jarrell Martin, you know, like, but I like, I like Lou going against like, like I, I wouldn't, I don't mind Lou against Hodgson. I don't mind Lou against Chi, you know, like the big bigs, uh, but the mobile bigs, it's, it's, it's a problem, right? Jack Salt, I think has some of the same issues, to be honest. I'm not as high on Jack Salt as, as what you are. I think he's okay. I think he's fine. But, like, I don't think he's really a – like, for me, it's more Harrison and then going, hey, guys, can we downscale and just make, you know, like, crash with a smaller lineup? But I, I like the Bullets a lot. One thing I really like about the Bullets is the ball really moves. I feel like they move off the ball a lot more than other teams. I, I should have a look at the data. I've got it somewhere sitting around here. But they seem to be, like, pretty – like, they move off the ball, um, which is – I'm just looking now, their frequency. Where are you? Yeah, Brisbane is the highest team in the league for off-screen points mm. per possession in frequency of chasing it. So that says to me that there's a lot of picks being set off the ball. They're moving, um, and that's always a good thing. The ball seems to zing with them. They were flat against New Zealand, but I thought New Zealand played a pretty good game, to be honest. But And New Zealand proved like what both of our biggest criticisms I think of the Brisbane Bullets has been that five spot right like 
Harrison's a nice guy, like he's a nice player and he's a good young player. But again, he's young. It's a bit like the Froling, like Froling's more advanced than him, but it's much the same criticism as EO. You can't count on him every single game to produce for you just because he's young, right? But he's a big body. I like him as a screener. I like him as a player. But, you know, when you go against guys on opposing teams that have elite centers in the NBL, again, like much of the same thing. He's a bit immobile as well. Like, can he chase Jarrell Martin around? I'm not sure, right? But again, you know, they... They'll probably beat the Kings this week, as I said. So, who knows? But I like this Brisbane team. I think James Duncan is a really, like, I think he's a great ambassador for the team too. I think that's undersold a little bit too, I think, in the NBL. I think the NBL does need, like, people who are really good in front of the microphone, really good at communicating with people, both inside the team and outside of it. Because the NBL is doing well this year because they got the News Corp deal. But the NBL has struggled to kind of capture attention and, the ca- you know, to capture people in a way in which they communicate with the outside. And I think, I think Duncan is, is just a really sharp operator, really nice dude, really welcoming always with the – you know, with the courtside crews. He just seems, he's just a pro's pro, man. He seems like a leader of men. It seems like the guys really buy into him. The other thing I really like about James Duncan as well is that I love the move of Lamar into the point. I think it's been understated this year how valuable that's been because the debate about Sobe, whether Sobe is a point guard, has been going on for too long for it to be a debate. You know, like if we're mm. debating something four years later, it's probably not right. So I think Nathan Sobey is a two. And he can be a one, but I'm not sure he's your dedicated one all game, every day, all game, every game. I like him being in there with today or being in there with Lamar. Just so like he can be the point of attack out of trans as well. So he can push out on the break and do what he does best rather than being the lead part, like rather than throwing the lead pass down on the break. So I think they've made some adjustments this year. I think they're pretty good. I think they're a pretty good team. Do I think they make the playoffs? Probably not, but I really enjoy watching this team. And I think that you don't want to sleep on this team in any night because when you've got, what, Patterson, Sobe, Franks, when you have a big three of those three guys, they can beat anyone on any given night. You, you, what do you, where do you sort of place them in the mix? Yeah, well, I'll say from the get-go, like I didn't think they were a finals team hmm. um, before the season. I think now they're in that top four, or at least very close to it. Um, I think, like, you know, we mentioned a couple of teams earlier on. They've got these pieces and they just sort of lean upon the shot making. Hmm. Um, but as you mentioned, there's some actual innovation here and some structure and, um, you know, they're they're leveraging those offensive talents, but they're still playing as a as a unit and mm. getting high quality looks. They're not just relying on, you know, Lamar just ISOing or, you know, stuff like that. You know, they're actually working for good opportunities. And, um, you know, I think that's where Duncan um, has impressed me. I didn't know what to make of him going in, but he's done all the right things so far. Very, very uh, likable and charismatic guys you mm. mentioned. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just working for them. I think again, the the Patterson thing, as you said, for me, I was sort of wondering to see, you know, are Brisbane going to even consider maybe getting an import point guard, mm. um, having Kadee as that, sit, you know, off the bench spark yep. plug um, and pushing Sobey, you know, off the ball. 
I didn't even consider that Patterson could be the answer there. Um, so the fact that that's been able to work and, um, you know, it's been able to push all these guys into the roles and capacities that are right for them, um, I think that's made them greater than they looked on paper in the offseason and that's why they've bumped up in my books. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Moss, you've watched a lot more New Zealand NBL than what I have. I've watched none, so it would be impossible yeah. for you not to have watched more than me or at least <laughs> the same amount. Uh, have you watched him at all in his New Zealand NBL tape? What are your thoughts on him? You know, like what's I mean, I, I've I've just done the deep dive on the data, right? Like you don't play minutes at Kansas if you're rubbish, right? Like he can the guy can clearly play. What are your mm. thoughts looking at where this team is now? He's missed this time. Does he fit? And if he does fit, like what what is to be expected of him? So this is the one move I don't get. Mm. Um, and they, the, I don't know if you remember, they signed him really early on in the process from memory. Um, you know, coming out of the NZNBL, he was a good but not elite import um, in the league that season. It's been a while since I've watched him, but um, I, I look at Brisbane's depth and, you know, I look at the wing and I see, you know, you got Drumick, you got Krebs, um, even Digbo. He has his limitations, but I, I think, you know, he, it wouldn't hurt to throw him out there a little bit more. you got Sobey. Yeah, exactly. And obviously and Patterson as well. And Kadi, um, you can play off the ball as well. Yeah, so I look at that and I think, okay, like Moss is serviceable, he's fine. Um, but you have five, six guys that are serviceable already. He feels like a, a luxury and it feels like diminished returns to bring this guy in when you could be using that import spot on something else. You know, maybe that, you know, before the season I would have said, oh, maybe you'd consider, you know, that import right. point guard. Um, I think the roles offensively are working so well that I wouldn't do that. I'd go but five, man. Five, men, exactly. Can you um, imagine they got an elite five? Like, I'm not saying you're going to get Cam Oliver in the market, but can you imagine you got like that sort of a guy? I, I, yeah. It's really tough at the moment. I get with all the COVID protocols with the NBA and guys coming in and out, everyone wants their shot, right? But if you could find someone that was that athletic, rim-protecting big who could sort of space the floor and hit a three, like at that Cam Oliver, Sean Long type of guy, um, wow, I think this team becomes a – with that, I think this team's a contender for the title. Yeah, I mean, whether they do that or not... Whether they've got the, the money is another question. Yeah, because, I mean, they've been really patient with Moss. It sort of seems like they're, they're they must like the long him. haul with him. Um, and you would have to expect coming, you know, from the NZNBL, he, he probably is a budget import. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, as you mentioned, you're talking about an upgrade on, you know, effectively replacing the rotation minutes of Jack Salt and Big Lou. Um and that's a pretty low bar. You know, if, if you're moving Harrison, uh, you know, to the backup position or even just bringing in someone that can split minutes with Harrison at the five, um, I think that moves the needle more than Moss replacing minutes of guys like Krebs or Drumick or Digbo. Um, it, it seems like the most obvious personnel move I can think of in the league right now. I think it has to be, if you're going to do it, that's the most ob- I agree with you, 100% in lockstep on this. But I think if you do it, it has to be a has to be an athletic big, because mm. you've kind of got that big body pick setter in Harrison already. You don't. I don't think you want another one of that. You want a variety. You like you want a more. 
you you want that lob guy you, and you want that spread the floor three-point shooter guy as well again yeah. i know they don't grow on tree like you don't find you know the market your little your little black book of you know like a prospective signings doesn't include generally include too many guys who are six foot ten who can shoot the three and have wild athleticism they're generally either playing in europe or they're playing on the in the nba or on the fringes of the nba uh, it's going to be tough right now but i just like that seems that team goes to that that team to me goes to every bit as people go this is extreme again that bit that team goes to every bit as good as Perth and Illawarra, etc. If they if they do that. Because you'd think about it. You got Sobe, you got Sobe, Drimmick, Patterson, Franks with an electric center. I just don't think you find too many teams better than that in the NBL, barring maybe Perth on paper. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like you could almost argue that they're close to, you know, those teams that you just mentioned's level already. Yeah. Um so you, you you do that they're um they're a finals team for me yeah hundred percent I just don't think the budget's there so we're probably being a bit uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a fantasy you know draft sort of thing where you go oh, okay yeah I want that guy. it might not be possible in the budget so I leave it at that and I don't want to undercut Moss either like you know it <clears> seems like they really like him and I I hope he does really really well it just seems to me like they've got a lot of variety at that wing utility spot. Um, and they found gold in Patterson at the point. Is so Moss Moss isn't a utility um, isn't a utility point guard by any chances. He's not like one of those Sobe types where he can play both. No, I, I sort of see him more as a two three. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, so we're both we're both high on Brisbane without making without them making the finals. Is that right? They're just going to miss again. I, I think they've got a chance. Yeah, I think they have a chance of making finals. I'm, uh, they're probably not quite in my top four right now, but you know they're right on the edge. Taipans have been a shock this year, man. I had them. I everyone told me they'd be worse than the Jack Jumpers. I go, no, 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 no one's <laughs> going to be worse than the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Um, but I wasn't expect. I I had I had Cairns locked in second last pretty definitively and I think they didn't show a lot of fight in the preseason I've been really impressed by what they've produced so far what are your thoughts yeah I had him down with Tassie as well I can't remember who was my uh, 1A and 1B in terms of wooden spooners but I wasn't expecting anything Mm. Um, my major concerns (laughs) was obviously Scott Machado is a a great player in this league Um, but we saw his greatest success that season with Newbill and um, obviously Cam Oliver as well. And that was a, like the perfect dynamic for those three. Um, and I think the reason we saw a drop-off from Machado last season is because for all of his many abilities, he's not your go-to offensive option. No, he's not, um, he not going to win a game. Like if you need to create a shot to win a game, he's not the guy. Well, before he deferred the Newbill. Yeah, well, that's right. And I mean, obviously he had pre- plenty of... Um, reps with the ball mm. in hand um, at that point in time. But Newbel was more of the, the shot maker. Yeah. Um, and the shot you... creator for himself. Not... That's right. And Machado put everyone in their best positions and was a good floor general. Sorry, sorry I won't interrupt anymore. Go no, on. no, no, that's fine. I, I think um, that, so there was that aspect that they're sort of leaning on him more in a scoring role than a facilitating role. And I don't think that plays with strengths. And then 
I think the other aspect is who's that pick and roll partner and going from Cam Oliver to Zimmerman. Big Zim. <laughs> um, I, I know they had history in the past. They like playing with each other, whatever. To me, that that's not nearly as dynamic of a combo. And um, look, Zimmerman's been fine. He's another big that you know has his abilities, but there's also some significant limitations as well. Um, Same rule just... applies for him. Like I'll, I'll put my hand up. Like, yeah. You know how people go, you know, Joe Chi hater, Joe Chi hater, Joe Chi hater. Joe Chi is better than Zimmerman. I'd much rather have Zim. I'd much rather have Joe Chi on my team because I think mm. I think Zimmerman presents the same issues without the rim protection. Yeah, I, I, quite honestly, I think to be blunt, I think Zimmerman is a bit of an empty stats guy. Um, yeah. I don't think the impact's there on the defensive end of the yeah, floor. He's a fantasy player's wet dream, but he doesn't really... There, yeah. There's, like, in that Perth game, everyone lost it over that round one game at Perth, but I swear one of the possessions, there were, like, four missed layups, which created four row boards. He, he just doesn't pass the eye test for me. And, um, like, obviously, you know, the the Taipans need options, and, you know, he's been able to fill it up to an extent, and, and he's been a bit of a reason that they've, you know, won the games that they have. So, you know, credit to him in that sense. But I think if you're looking at this team on the whole, uh, you know, we know from that season with Machado, Newbel, and Oliver, the way they're constructed, they need to hit on three elite imports. Mm. Um, Zimmerman is not an elite import. He's a serviceable one. McCall um, is legit, I think. McCall's legit. Yeah, I don't think... Guy, I'm going to say something controversial. I don't think yeah. McCall's as good as Newbill. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as Newbill, but that doesn't mean he's not a great player. Like I think Newbill was probably one of the most underrated players in oh, NBL yeah. history, like in, in or at least in recent history of the NBL. He's one of the most underrated players. New, Newbill was sensational, and he put up like forty something points in Japan the other day. Yeah. Like he's not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> but um, I I love watching McCall play. I think yeah. everyone has grown to love him pretty quickly. You know they're energy he plays with is infectious yeah. you know and again a, he's another guy that's just so good in front of the camera too that the NBL needs yeah. you know like he's a real personality as well which I think is really cool massive personality looks like a, a tone setter as well in yeah. terms of the culture um, elite defender you know mm. I love that about him my only thing with McCall and I, I do love him and especially when Machado went out I was like there's, there's no way, like, Kansas don't have the firepower here. Yeah. But Taj stepped up. He's been pretty much the de facto point guard, mm. you know, slicing and dicing and doing all this creative stuff offensively, getting people involved. Um, and that's been a lifesaver for them. I will say, though, that when he... Oh, it, it feels like he's a bit of a floor raiser at this point. If you put him on a good team um, with plenty of options that, you know, are actually competing for something meaningful... I wonder what his offensive role looks like. Yeah. Because I had a look before. He's obviously had a really good run since Machado's gone out. You know, he's scored the ball probably better than we would have expected. But he hasn't been efficient. His daily levels of shooting, I think he was like one of 13 on the season from three. Um, He was like just hovering above 40% in terms of field goal percentage. And I think that is sort of the tale of McCall's career up to this point is he's someone who he definitely ticks the boxes in terms of he can handle the ball for his size and he can pass the ball for his size so well. Um, but he doesn't have that scoring gravity to necessarily justify having the ball in his hands on a good team. Um, 
And that's where I wonder, it'll work for Cairns, um, but the lack of the shooting and, you know, other deficiencies in his game may cause him to be more of a, you know, fall back into a special, defensive specialist role, yeah. you know, on a team that's trying to go places. Yeah, I, I'm i a little this way too. I love his energy. I love the way he plays. And I think he's a great import. I'm just not, you know, like I'm not there calling him DJ Newbill. Yeah. You know, like there's there's a dip. Like I remember, I remember chatting with um with Tate about Newbill when um Tate first came into the league and and what's it called? Tate was just saying, man, that guy is like that guy's a bucket getter. Like he's <laughs> a bucket getter anywhere in the world. Like this guy is one of the best shot creators that I've seen. And I'm like, yep, you can see it. And coming to, I I thought Newbill would be. Uh, this is. I feel like I'm doing an old school DJ Newbill testimonial podcast here, but it's just showing the what you kind of need, I think, to to contend, right? And you watched that Cairns team. That Cairns team had it. This people go, oh, this has a feel of a couple of years ago. No, it doesn't. No. Can we all agree on that? Like, there there is no feel <laughs> of that here. And I'm kind of a you know, like McCall is amazing. I I love him for the league. Uh, but I do agree with you that maybe it's a like it's one of those guys where the numbers look great. There's a bit of inefficiency, but we look past the inefficiency because the enthusiasm and the team lifting so good. Yeah, I, I and think- I'm loving it. Like mm. this Taipans team, you know, they're not a finals team, but they they're chalking out some wins, and it's purely just based on you know playing hard and overachieving and. Obviously, you know, guys like Majuk Deng and stuff stepping up into, you know, the roles that their potential, you know, has um, sort of tantalized mm. for some time. Um, and I think that's always the silver lining and the fun thing about these teams is just seeing them um, play with heart and, and getting the opportunity on an individual level to to play to their, you know, potential. Yeah. I, I'm higher on McCall than what you are. I, I For me... But I'm I'm a person who's willing to look past inefficiency for like that guy that raises a team up. Like yeah. I was always very pro. Like all the data people told me Casper Ware, no, no, no. But I'm like I want Casper Ware on my team, like because I know in the clutch that guy that guy has a set of balls on him, you know. Mm. And I, I watch McCall. I know that guy has a set of balls on him, and they're gonna they're just competitors, man. Like I want those, and like people laugh, like you know Russell Westbrook hitting the ball, shooting the ball, and hitting the top of the backboard. You know, I'd still want, like I want Russ in the wall with me. Like mm. maybe it's just the sort of player that you like playing with, or what you what it is. But you want a guy who's fully invested. And I I really like that in McCall. I'm willing to look past some of the bad shooting if, like, because he just brings a lot of other things to the table. But the problem is, I think. There just isn't enough surrounding pieces around that to to raise up, and I think cans are a bit of fool's gold at the moment. And I'll tell you why, because if you look at their CV again, got flogged by the Wildcats in Perth, beat the Jack Jumpers in possibly what was one of the worst games of NBL basketball I've ever watched, <laughs> right? Beat the Thirty Sixers in possibly another one of the most insipid performances we've ever seen. That game from the 36ers, man. My God. I reckon they should have been given two L's for that one. Like, it was that bad. And they lost to the Wildcats. Granted, I thought they played pretty well. They led by 18, but first class came through at the end. So, 
am I sold on this team? No, I still think they finish probably second or third last will be them on New Zealand in that spot. Uh, but, you know, they'll, they'll hang around, they'll make some waves, they'll, they'll disrupt some people at home. I think, but this week you'll go. Oh yeah, Cairns will. They'll probably beat New Zealand. They might beat New Zealand at home. Maybe not the way New Zealand's playing, but I, I don't think they're going to beat Southeast Melbourne. Uh, what? Speaking of, we'll move on now. New Zealand. Uh, also, can I say one thing about Cairns? I was expecting a lift from Kuat Noy this year. I think he's played pretty well, but I always had higher expectations on him than than maybe what I I might have I should have. And maybe I still do. What are your thoughts on Noy? You're 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 into the scat. You know, you're into the more. You're into the development game of players. You know. Uh, what yeah, do you think? yeah. I, I mean, I really liked him out of TCU. I thought he was a great pickup for Cairns. Mm. You know, in in need of high level locals. Um, the thing that I've sort of come to feel over his time with the Taipans, and I mean, it's easy to say because he has been in and out with injuries and such as well. But he feels like the sort of player that is just going to be forever streaky. Yeah. Um, like he he runs hot and cold, and you can you can tell the moments where he's feeling himself and he's just knocking down shots left, right, and center. Um, and I'm not sure that he's ever going to. I mean, you know, it's always subject to change. I don't want to say never is mm. never. Um, but he feels like the sort of player that always going to be a little bit streaky in terms of his shooting ability. Um, but that doesn't need to be the end of him as a player. Like, he, there's so many other areas where he can continue to improve. Um, you know, we know he's a really good athlete. I would like to see him just um, continue to attack the glass relentlessly and, and get into the paint and finish a bit more. Um, on a team that will get out in transition more, uh, you know, we're going to see that athleticism utilized a bit more as well because it doesn't really have the functional handle to um, really put a lot of heat on the rim on the ball. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I like him, you know. He has a more stocky build too. He's he not does. like that, you know, he's not like that usual three-man, you know, like, you know, that prototypical three that is like, the, you know, the Luke Travers type almost, you know, like mm. long and wiry and not a lot of weight on them, etc. cetera. He, he's a bit more of a... More in the Lamar Patterson sort of mold in terms of that. I'm not not saying he hasn't got a handle like Lamar, like shit. Mm. But like, I think he needs to use. This is going to sound. I reckon he might need to use his body a little bit more. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. He's a little bit stockier, and he's. Mm. I'd sort of describe him as like he's got really good run jump athleticism in terms of straight line, vertical, etc. Um, but he's a little bit cumbersome in terms of his more general movement. Um, but you're right. Like I, I picture him and I, he's, he's, you know, got this like strong upper body, big chest, etc. And he can use that to bully guys a little bit. Um, he I'd just like doesn't do enough of it. It's just too much of the three ball. Yeah. And I feel like he needs to get that, you know, to get down on the block, get dirty, walk some guys down, walk some miniature dudes who need to get in the weight room down and get yeah, some buckets. And I feel like he has that aggression in him. Um, I don't think he's just figured out how to utilize yeah, that offense. It's a bit yet. frenetic. The game hasn't slowed yeah. down for him yet either. And he's young, yeah. right? He's young. We we give these guys time. But, you know, like you watch these, like you watch Cleveland today. You watched Lamar against Southeast Melbourne yesterday. Like Cleveland, le- Cleveland less so than Lamar. Lamar's probably a 
more, you know, a better example. He just feels like he's got so much time on the ball, right? Like the game moves in slow motion when it's in his hands. And mm. I just don't – everything's a bit frenetic with Noy. Noy wants to go from zero to 100 like that, right? He doesn't – there's – you know, he's just got to – he's talented. He's just got to slow down a bit, relax a little bit. And he can back down guys. And if he can get a little like over-the-shoulder hook or jump shot, in the low block, like something that Mitch Creek is at it. Mitch Creek has got as well. Like, I think he just needs to, maybe he's a big boy. Use your body a little bit more, but, uh, sorry. I just thought of digress because I, I always, he was probably the guy in the league of the young guys that hasn't quite come through that I thought would have, to be honest. But, um, you know, maybe, you know, he's had his injuries and that maybe, you know, maybe that's why, but it was seen time. What happens with him? Well, New Zealand, yeah, well, um, there's a lot going on with New Zealand. They, yeah. They're always an interesting um, roster. Like even on, even beyond all the, you know, potential dysfunction and everything that people might like to say about the Breakers these days, you just look at the way their team was constructed and um, it's always a little bit unconventional. I know that um, Dan Shamir loves his ball handlers and they loaded up, you know, they got Peyton Seaver, Will McDowell White, obviously Hugo Besson and Jeremiah Martin as well. Um, and I think that's all well and good. Like, it's great that they, you know, want to play that way and, and get lots of guys that can do that. Where I think that sort of falls flat for me is the fact that multiple guys are not shooters that you can depend on. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jeremiah Martin, I had a look, he's shooting like 33% this season, not too bad. But you can't tell me that he passes the eye test as a shooter. I don't think he commands any gravity from opposition defenses. Mm. Um, and then uh, Usman Dieng, th- this is a big thing for me because he was highly touted, um, you know, the highest ranked next star, uh, you know, ranked as a potential lottery pick this year. And I'm, no, I'm not denying the, the potential that he has. But as it currently stands, it wouldn't surprise me if he is the most unplayable rotation player in the league right now. Like, he's just a complete liability on both ends. Um, And I think you combine that with the fact that their third import is essentially a next star as well. Um, Obviously, Besson has been awesome. I'm, I'm loving watching him play. But the reality is that he's still a little bit inconsistent. Um... And I feel like a, you know, more experienced veteran import, um, you know, would provide a little bit more of that. So you add all those in, um, there's a lot of question marks there and a lot of holes in the rotation, which I think, um, you know, are really hurting them. As for the the main guys though, like, you know, Wetzel's been outstanding this year. Delaney's plateaued a little bit, but, you know, he's an excellent player. We know what he brings to the table and obviously... Um, you know, with Seaver back now, you hope that he can can live up to his reputation and play well. That I think they have enough talent. Like you, you pick apart those players; they've got lots of talented players. Um, they have the COVID situation. They have those sort of issues with the depth a little bit. And you know, I just think they've really struggled to put four good quarters of basketball together in any given game. Okay, so I'm going to be more positive on the Breakers. Uh, in from an organizational perspective as well, and people can say what they want, right? Yeah, I love Matt Walsh; he's a great dude. Like, 
you know, I, I think he's one of the nicest people, like one of the best people to deal with. Like I, I consider him a mate and he's one of the nicest people to deal with in the NBL. And I think like people, some of the shit that gets talked about the breakers, I, I just don't think right. I, I think it's wrong. Um, that stuff in the commentary last week, you know, maybe get the behind the scene story before you start. I, I love, I, I'm like I said today, I love gazing commentary. I, I love co- I, I love all that crew. Like, there's no question, right? But I think once you start, once you start bringing up words like dysfunctional and stuff like that, you you have to be very very careful. And know the situation behind the scenes and what's going on. And I I don't agree with what was said there. And I also think you have to allow their their organization. Like they've been on the road for two years, man. Like we've asked them to do a lot and then to shit on them. Mm. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm a bit over it. I, I'm, I'll stand up for the breakers here and everyone go, oh, like, you know, I don't care. This team's been on the road for two years. They get constantly sh- shat on by these talking heads all the time, whether it was, you know, they've even in the past made accusations, you know, like there was the whole stuff where, you know, people were making unfounded, you know, comments about ownership and all that sort of stuff that, you know, led to legal issues, Right. Um, I'm over it. I'm so sick of it, man. These guys have been on the road for two years. Give them a freaking break. I, I'm done. I'm done with that organizational stuff, like that all that organizational talk. Whoever brings that shit up, will like fine. We'll, we'll have a league without the breakers who've sacrificed so much for two years. Cool. They've just been told they're not going home, right? Mm-hmm. And people are judging them. Piss off. Piss off. I'm really over it. I have some issues with how they play. Yeah, I, I don't love the Dan Shamir style. I've gone. I was pr- very pro Dan Shamir on year one. His game style doesn't thrill me. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It just seems like a ton of waves, and it's just I, I don't know. It's just trying to get individual, trying to get individual mismatches. It's a little. It's a little. I don't love it. To be honest with you, I again like the young young guy thing. Like I don't expect New Zealand to make huge investments in players when they can't go home, right? So mm. if you're in a position where you cannot generate revenue for a season and all you've got is costs going out, think about that for a second. They're not bringing in revenue. They haven't got home games. When they're playing at home, they're playing in front of empty stadiums, right? And not that other teams are doing much better anyway with fans, right? So I... I I give a pass to the breakers. I'm not going to be overly critical of them. I, I do I do agree with you. My biggest issue with them in the preseason was the fact I didn't have a legit big. Right? I I didn't think I thought it's too much on Wetzel's shoulders and Wetzel at South East Melbourne wasn't a show wasn't a proven rim protector. Trigger and I talked about it in the preseason. He's more of a four than like he's a real undersized five or he's a big four. I'm not sure. Utility wise. Where he fits. But I'm my thing about the breakers is just Every, I'm really happy they won today. I'm really happy they won last week. Everyone needs to chill out on this team and this organization, man, because they've been through fucking shit for the last two years. And I'm really uh, – like in round one, they're told to go out there and play without a coach and with a team that's ravaged by COVID and without who has been their best player so far this season. But that's cool. That You know, they're, we'll, we'll shit on them. But then the minute another team has a couple of COVID cases, South East Melbourne front up with a full team on the weekend and we've got to have a full-blown pity party. Like – Done. 
done. Give the breakers a break. Really happy. They've won two games in the last week. I hope they beat the Jack Jumpers this week and they keep moving forward. Seaver's a big addition. I think Seaver really helps them. I, I do think they're just missing a big. Like I and I I agree that like you know, I if I were them, you know, like the Besson, I would probably go on Besson as next star and then got another import big. And I think this team would have content, like would have been in, a, not contention, but they would have been in that bullets sort of area. But they're not, yeah, right. Yeah. And the Usmani Dieng thing, you got to remember, people bitch about these next stars and stuff like that too. It's also a business, and if Dieng, like all the other guys, it's they'll they'll have them on two year deals, right? So they'll have these next stars on two year deals. So then when they go to the NBA and they get drafted, they got to buy them out. Right, so it's also an investment. If you take Diang and he goes as a lottery pick, then they've got to pay the breakers, right? So it's there's elements to that as well. It's a it's a freaking business, and in an, in a time where this team can't earn any revenue, I'm not going to stick the boot in. It's just me. I I think they've done a they they and they can't go home. I'm not going to do it. Call me a breakers stand. Call me a Matt Walsh stand. Call me whatever you want to fucking call me. I've copped it all. I've heard your DMs. That's cool. I'm just not going to shit on a team that's been on the road for two years. Yeah, no, well said, man. I think I agree with everything you just put out there. Um, you know, it's it's so easy to take for granted. I think everyone um, knows what you know the breakers situation has been, but to so easy to flick on the TV and just be like, oh, these guys are playing like shit or, you know, whatever it is without fully comprehending, um, you know, the context that they find themselves in. So been a very difficult situation for them. I think, you know, if you look at the, the comment that was made on the broadcast the other day, I feel like it's almost a little bit um, negligent to be just, you know, throwing out, you know, something you just, you know, saw offhand and, and then, you know, everyone making their judgments based off that. And I uh, also have it on good authority. I have it on from mm. extremely reliable that ownership was not given tickets to that game, so therefore sat behind the bench. <laughs> okay? Well, there you go. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe um... if we want to talk about dysfunctional organizations mm. and blah, 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 well, maybe we shouldn't be talking about that and something else. <laughs> That, yeah. that that pissed that, that really pissed me off last week hearing that. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to drag you into the fire here as well, but it just like I don't know. I just feel like there's some teams that just get like we just have to froth over, and then there are other teams that are just the league whipping boys because we don't particularly we're not we don't particularly care and we're not overly fond of them, and that's the breakers. Like, mm. And they've done a lot for the league and there's a lot of this, oh, yeah, we got to stand up for the – you know, like we've got – there's a lot of this nice, you know, nice talk. Oh, yeah, we got to stand up for the breakers and all this. But then they go in the commentary and they call them dysfunctional. <laughs> so which one is it, guys? I don't care. Like, let's – we'll move on. Let's go to uh, – let's go to a really dysfunctional team that look like shit, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. <laughs> yeah, um – I mean, I don't think anyone really had any expectations of Tazzy this season. No. Hey, I think. Can we talk honest, about? I, can we talk about speaking of next stars? We've both been yeah. on this train. Where is Mikhailovsky? Where is he? Man, see, see, this is the thing, right? Like Mikhailovsky, he came in. 
probably one of the more credentialed next stars. Everyone had se- him as rookie of the year. Liam yeah, said, I everyone had him as rookie. I had him too. Yep. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's one of the older ones as well. He's, I think, nearly twenty-one. The guy came um, from a better league than the NBL. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's dumbfounding because you look at Tazzy, you like, you know, their wings are nothing to you know right home, home about. about. Yeah, and and you got this guy highly credentialed sitting on the bench now. I know now. You know, I say this, and I'm, I'm going to preface it by saying, you know, we don't know the full context of why he's mm. not playing. You know, who who knows what's going on there? But from all reports, he's just flat out in the doghouse. There's nothing, you know, yeah. out of left center that we, you know, are not privy to. Um, and it, it's very hard to comprehend that when you know what he has already proven as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when you're seeing guys, and this is no disrespect to them, but you know, guys like Matt Kenyon, um, you know, getting getting minutes, you you can't help but wonder, like, you know, surely this guy is showing more in practice. Now, I know that Scott Roth is, you know, he seems to me a little bit of the more old school mentality. Mm. You know, where he earn he your have, minutes, young man. Yeah, earn your minutes, young man. But you know what, a guy like Matt Kenyon. Hasn't like, either. It's like a year younger or year older than him. Like it to me, and you know, this is purely speculation. It seems to me like Roth, you know, he came from Perth, right? And you know, Perth for all their success have been of a similar mentality where you know they they lean on their vets and um, you know they like playing the safer bets. Um, and for me, I get the vibe that Roth probably didn't want or, you know, was attracted to a next star and, you know, factors out of his control meant that he had this next star in his He probably star. got the best one because they all knew that they'd be shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, to, to me, it, it defies belief based on what we know that um, and that It's not, not just us either. All. Liam Santa Maria picked him as, as rookie yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's be honest, a team like Tassie... Well, not Rookie of the Year, right? It was like lose. he goes to the best young next star player. I think they listed it as, just in case, because I don't think anyone has any idea what the <laughs> Rookie of the Year laws are, really. Oh, I looked them up. I still don't know. Yeah, but, you no know, one does. We'll just make up who the league likes best at the end of the they'll year. They'll make it up win. later in the season yeah. for you. They, they'll change the uh, the parameters for you. But, yeah. um, you know, Tassie are bottom dwellers. How's what Luke Travers a rookie lose? this year, by the way? How the hell does that work? So, my <laughs> understanding is it's his first fully contracted year because he's been a DP previously. Oh, cool. That's good to know. So, yeah. <laughs> he's been playing starters sense, minutes doesn't. in the playoffs last year, but hey, <laughs> he's a DP. It's, I, I mean, there's no... I, I don't know where you draw the line. It's a tricky one, but it as it currently stands, it's not, you know... Like, LaMelo Ball played cool. overseas. <laughs> And they didn't call, and they called him a rookie. What is this? Oh uh, no, man! It's... The only one that I sort of understood was Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy was like, "Yeah, that makes sense. He hasn't played pro before." Who, and whoever he's... fits the narrative best. Yeah, it's whoever fits the narrative. That's the way they do it, right? Yeah, yeah. But, so... but no, yeah. I go on. Sorry. I... No, no. Yeah. To sum up, I have no freaking clue why this guy's not playing at least some minutes. What you know, your team isn't going to go anywhere this season. Why not take a punt on a guy that maybe he does suck? Maybe he is an improvement. Um, you know, why not take a bet on a guy on your team that you know actually has talent 
when you're a team that is very devoid of it. Um, You know, I I thought they had slim pickings as it was, and that was with Mikhailovsky in the equation. Mm. Um, And then you... This is my other... Of many things that you could raise, this is my other major issue. Mikhail McIntosh, I'm surprised he's still around. He, he has not done much for me this season, and I don't think he really had a resume going in um, to being signed that really inspired me to think he'd do anything more than he has. I, I, the Tasmania Jack jumpers lost me in the preseason once they started, started talking about Josh Majette, a guy who couldn't score double figures in Europe, doing things that Steph Curry can't do. <laughs> when I heard that, I'm like, this. what the hell are we doing? Seriously. Mm. And like, and you talk about wing depth. The hilarious part about the Mikhailovsky situation was they weren't playing Clint Steindl either at the start, remember? Mm. Clint Steindl had a very limited role. I'm like, well, at least he's competent. Yeah, look, I don't know. It just say Roth is a guy that seems like he, you know, has, has a massive whatever you want to call it for, you know, particular players that maybe – play the right way or Jared Bearstow. How was Jared how was Jared Bearstow signed in the NBL? He was before his brother. How was he signed before his brother? His brother, former NBA player, former boomer. I get the price might be a bit different on the two, right? But but shit. And a three year deal? See that that's the worst thing for me. Like it's this one team's thing... not getting better, bro. It's nah. gonna stink for years to come. They're they're locking in mediocrity from day one. <laughs> it's oh. um it's it's not great. At least they um, got a good property deal down in Tasmania, I think. <laughs> well, that's the th- like th- this was my one sort of hope, my saving grace for them is I was like, look, it's it sounds like they were willing or they had the money to spend at least on imports, right? Yeah. You know, if, if you hit on three imports, it could be like a can situation. Yeah, years correct. Ago, you, you go somewhere. Josh Majet Looks like he's going to about to do your taxes. Yeah, he does. He does. But he's nice. He's, not, he's you, a nice player. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't hate him. But I, I don't been, love him either. He's been good in the G... As you mentioned, he's been really good in the G League. He's been really bad... In Europe. Or, in Europe. Now, that speaks to his play style a little bit, you know. Pace and space, you know, Buford mm. would have loved him. Um, but the reality is, on this Tassie team, he's like the number one guy. They're feeding, you know, he's got the ball in his hands all the time. He is not an athlete. He's not getting into the paint and finishing, so he's not going to be efficient. Instead, he's jacking up for threes, you know, well beyond the three-point line. Um, and again, it's kind of like Machado. He's being forced to play and being leaned on heavily as a scorer when he's a pass-first guy. Um, you know, Adams is a score-first guy, but he's not exactly lighting, you know, the world on fire. Mm-hmm. And McIntosh is giving you next to nothing. Um, so, Majet, in my opinion, is the only decent import pickup. And he's being played out of his, you know, optimal role. So, I don't know where it leaves this team. You know, I, I, to be honest, the fact that they've won the games that they have to me, has been them overachieving. Mm. You know, I, I think they're they're playing the right way and they're doing what they can. I just don't like the team. Yeah, I <laughs> don't like don't the structure. I don't like the structure in which, like, I like the defensive effort. And again, it was like another one of those things, right, where they could borderline assault people on opening night. 
and it wasn't getting called, right? Because, yeah. you know, it's the new franchise gets the calls routine. We saw it with South East Melbourne playing Melbourne on opening night those few years ago, right? Like, the new franchise always gets a bit of a... It's like, you remember playing Mario Kart as, like, a kid and then you'd be at the back <laughs> of the pack and you get the lightning bolt? I felt like the Jack Jumpers and all new franchises just get handed lightning bolts the whole first game, Right. And uh, that's kind of where it's at with them. And I, I didn't love the – I thought the first game was a lucky win. Uh, but mm. to be honest, they should have beaten Mel – if Josh Majette could throw the ball in the ocean in that game, right, He they would have beaten Melbourne United. That's the hilarious part, right? Yeah. They lost by four points. And when did he go? He went like four for 20 or something. Like, you know – and it's just like, geez. And they didn't even have Will Magnate for that one. So what, they're going with Jared Bairstow against JLA, who was killing them. So I, how they were even in that game is beyond me. That was good effort, right? Um, yeah. A lot of people are coming swinging for Will Magnate, Um, And I get it. Like, people used to criticize... People used to go at me for saying that, like, I think Will's a little bit overestimated at the Bullets. I thought he was a creation of the Bullets system as opposed to a super individual talent. But my thing is, like, I was never super high, but I was never as low as what people are now. He's not as... He's not... He's better than what he is here. I just don't think they're running him in the appropriate... Like, Will Magne is a rim runner, end-to-end, right? So you get him out in trans, you get him finishing at the rim, right? And he's also in the pick and... He's a pick-and-roll guy where... Pick-and-lob, right? And... They're just not running that sort of stuff to him. Like, you can't just throw the ball. Like, you don't throw the ball to Will Magne on the block and go go to work. That's yeah. not his game, right? And if he has the pick and pop, that's he has, He added a bit of pick and pop where he can hit the three too now. So why not try that a little bit? I just feel like this stuff where they're like, where they, he either doesn't touch the ball or they're throwing the ball in him, into him at the post and going, go to work, big fella. It's just not playing to his strengths. Yeah, I think you're right on both counts. I think for one, um, I mean, some may say he's overrated. I think that's purely it's because a they overrated him at the start, though. It's not. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I, I think the it's only not his reason, fault. The only reason you'd label him as overrated is because he happened to get you know an NBA opportunity, mm. and you know, as we know, the NBA loves hyping the hell out of that. Yeah. Um, but I think anyone that watched even his season at Brisbane were like, this guy has really promising flashes. But even that season in Brisbane, it's not like he put together like a super productive season. You know, mm. he had a couple of outstanding games. He was really impactful. Um, but it felt like to me that that was just the precipice. Like he was going to go on and he still needed to establish himself as a high-level NBL player before going on to greater things. And, um, you know, I think that's why he's... NBA stint, you know, was didn't eventuate into anything significant. Um, obviously, when he came back to Perth, he, you know, was plugged into a system that didn't suit him. Mm. Um, you know, it was probably a disservice to him and his skill set, as you described it. Um, but when he signed with Tassie, I thought, well, here we go. Like, you know, this guy's going to get featured. They're going to, you know, prioritize him and, you know, how he plays. Um, you know, I thought Majet would kind of work well in that sense as a pass-first point guard, you know, get him in pick and roll, get him rim running um, instead of posting up or anything like that. But again, he's still probably not being optimally used. Um, and they've put it put him in a really difficult situation as well because, you know, you think back to that Brisbane um, season, mm. 
he was playing sometimes in conjunction with Hodgson um, and sometimes playing as the main big. Here, Magne is like the only big mm. and he's he's a 4-5 and the next biggest guy on the main roster is six foot seven. you know, Jared Bairstow. Yeah. So Who's, I, yeah. I think they've done a disservice to him. This is the second year in a row that, you know, and that's not to totally alleviate, you know, the the onus on him to improve as a player, mm. but I don't think it's a great situational setup for him. No, that's the thing, man. Like to put it in context, like yeah, we're not counting Jock Perry, right? But the nah. but the next the next players is like as, as big as me, dude. Like it's not like it's not a big team. It's really really small, and they're not great. They're not like you know how there's those six foot eight wingspan guys, six foot seven wingspan guys. Like we were talking about earlier about Franks and that. These guys don't have wingspans either. Like not no. everyone's going. Wow, Jared Bearstow, check out the prototypical build on him. You know, like they're not. <laughs> It's not the way, or, or Fabian Krizlovich. And again, it's not, you know, you've got to structure your roster this way. I, I think Jack McVeigh has also been done a bit of a disservice at mm. Tasmania so far. I think he's much better than what he has produced. And I've kind of found it a little bit sad because they've limit, like he'll go on streaks. And the beauty about Jack McVeigh is like, he lifts the energy of the building. And the, and the, what's what I really like about Jack McVeigh is he exudes positive energy no matter what his role is within the team. He's he's a guy you want on your team, right? Like he's a guy you want in your locker room and you want, you know, because he just has this energy about him. And I feel like at times, like he'll get rolling and then they'll go, hey, bro, take a seat, you know? Yeah. And then that energy is sort of lost. I feel like he and Magne are being like, I, I, I feel like they're better than what they're, the roles they're being given. And, the Magne one in particular, like I'll give you like the you know the Dan Aykroyd and uh, and uh, Eddie Murphy trading places movie, you know, like can we trade him and Zimmerman around? Because I feel like he would fit really well in Kansas. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, and somehow I feel like an old school big would you know would light uh, Scott size up as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Scott. Scott Roth would, uh, you know, as Andrew Gaze would say, the arousal levels uh, would be up, you know, with uh, a traditional big there. He wants a traditional big and he hasn't got one. And Cairns don't really need a traditional big because, you know, Magne with with Machado would be deadly, right? Just as yeah. Magne was, like, Magne was so good with Patterson, man. And I think that was part of what made Patterson's year so big too, was that he had Hodgson and him setting the picks for him. They knew what to do, and he could throw the ball up in the air. And opposition teams knew that, so they had to be wary of that, which gave him more leeway too, right? Um, mm. While now they sort of dare him to throw the ball to Harrison a bit more. Uh, I just feel like it's a bad spot for Will. I'm not going to – everyone will want me to hammer him again. And But my thing about Will is, hey, you all hammered me when I said, you know what, like let's cool the Jets a little bit. Like he's a nice player. He's a good rim running big. He can set a pick and he can catch a lob, which – and it, now it seemed like he could make a three. And I was like, you know what, that's a great NBA-specific big. You know, like he's not a star, but he fits a specific role that the NBA really likes. So therefore he'll wind up there and you'll probably be a better player there. But you're not going like Will Magne, hey, turn into Jarrell Martin for me. Yep. That's yeah. what it is. It's, it's been tough on Magne. As you said, like Mc, this was supposed to be McVeigh's like breakout season, mm. you know, and he's statistically regressed. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I don't I think, think it's not his doing either. Like no, we both you, know you Jack McVay is a very good player. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's a as you say, he's a confidence guy. You just need to give him some rope and um Like I and, loved it. What was he they were playing Melbourne last night? He just pulled up for a trans three. Bang. <laughs> you know, and you know that would infuriate Roth, you know, but that's who the guy is. You know, and give him some rope. Allow him to do that. Allow him to bring his energy. Because mm. like you like no offense, you're getting nothing out of Jared Bairstow. Like, you're getting nothing that's going to help. I know Perth fans will go, oh, yeah, Perth will have a cry about me saying that. But you're not getting anything. You're not getting a hell of a lot out of Fabian Krizlovich either. Give these guys give these guys a little bit more rope. Like, like, and even if you don't win games, man, wouldn't you be more excited to watch Josh Majet, um, Josh Majet with Adams and then watching Mikhailovsky with McVeigh and Magne? Like, they might not, they're still not going to win a ton of games, right? I get it. But at least they're gonna like they're gonna you're gonna see something that you want to see continue on, and it's gonna be entertaining. Mm. Right now, it's it's bad. It's it's not a good team. Not, like they're the NBL has been a lot of fun to watch this year. They're uninspiring to watch. Yeah, it, it's been a rough one. I think everyone saw it coming. It's um, it uh, yeah. Look, I don't know. Just <laughs> beyond the beyond the three, four, five players you mentioned, it's very, um, the, the roster's very vanilla and oh. the play style's very vanilla and, you know, uh, hopefully they they have something to build upon, as you said, a lot of guys on two to three year deals. So hopefully mm. they can um, at least establish some continuity and, you know, it doesn't have to be spectacular to be functional. We know that from Perth and, you know, mm. I'm sure Roth is sort of trying to instill similar philosophies there. Um but, you know, I think there's going to be plenty of learnings from year one and, um, you know, they're going to have to take big strides next year because this year ain't it. No, I'm, I'm just going to put my hand up and say I'm kind of just sick of watching Majet operate in the on-ball in a really slow fashion, possession after mm. possession after possession after possession. It bores the shit out of me. Scott Roth and it's not winning games. So maybe come up with something new. On to the next team. Let's do the Adelaide 36ers. This is this is Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde out of every team so far. This is a bizarre team to watch, right? Again, haven't beaten anyone. Just beat the Jack Jumpers. Ju- just came from nowhere to beat the Breakers. What do you think of the 36ers? Is this team broken? Is this team salvageable? Like, we've only seen them, what, play five times. Where do you sit on the scale with Adelaide? Uh, I've... I've been pretty unimpressed so far. Mm. Um, on paper, they have a lot of, especially local talent. Um, you know, you look at McCarron, Deck, Johnson, Humphreys. Besto has been really good as well. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of guys that in their own right are, are, are very good and valuable players. You know, we know how valuable um, high-level local talent is. Um, that being said, I don't know... To, to me, it doesn't all just click together. Um, it's not very cohesive. Like my one of my concerns, you know, they have these different guards. I don't think any one of their perimeter players is a, a bona fide creator or scoring option. Um, and I don't see any one of them being um, particularly uh, aggressive or cutting their teeth into the defense. Um, you know, like you look at someone like Mitch McCarron, I think he fit really well at Melbourne because he's a guy that 
is a bit of a utility point guard mm. in a way. Like he, he's not a traditional a, point. No, he's not. He he sort of floats around and he probes the defense with his handle. He doesn't really drive in and and score at the ring all too often. He's sort of you know a guy that can play on and off the ball. And he hasn't three. got an elite handle like a Machado or a Harvey. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think that works really well next to a dominant perimeter threat. And a dynamic, um, yeah, more dynamic guy at the two. Like you team him with Bryce Cotton or Harvey or something, you know, then it changes it. Yeah, really exactly right. It. But, you know, you got Dusty Hannes and yes, he can score the ball, but he's very much perimeter orientated. He's mm. not a big time athlete. He's not a big time driver. You know, his, his primary threat is the three ball. Um, you know, and you can say he can handle the ball a little bit. You could say that Sunday deck can uh, handle the ball a little bit. Um, but I don't think they have a standout perimeter threat there, and that really mm. hurts them. Um, and then I think the other aspect that it hurts them is you look at a guy like Isaac Humphreys. Last season, he was an absolute standout. He looked incredible. You know, people were saying if this guy was healthy, um, you know, he would have been on the Boomers team. And I think offensively it's taken a hit because he's a player that, you know, is going to operate in the pick and roll um, you know, slightly dependent on the guard play for his offensive output. Um, and I think going from Giddy down to what they have this season um, has been a contributing factor to that. Um, Daniel Johnson can create his shot a little bit more himself, so I don't think mm-hmm. that's too bad. But the number one thing beyond all those little concerns for me has been the defensive effort. Um, I thought... On paper, they had good defenders. McCarron, obviously, Sunday hasn't played up to this point. Um, and, you know, some other guys. Humphreys is great protecting the rim last year. But from the games I remember watching, they were particularly abysmal um, in transition D. Like, you know, teams were just outrunning them and, you know, they were getting lots of easy points off them. Um, and they were just getting eaten up. You know, you, my concern last season was the Johnson and Humphreys pairing and how that's going to look defensively. I think they managed to get away with it and be successful in spite of that not being optimal. Um, I feel like this season that could become a bigger issue. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, they got pieces, but they they are not really doing anything for me. How are you feeling about them? Yeah, I was higher on them than most people in the off season. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, but I thought they'd be a thereabouts team again. Like this was why I thought coming into season the league was really close because maybe I had an over, I had a higher valuation I guess on the Adelaide Thirty Sixers as a stock than what they were. I also did on Brisbane to be fair. I thought they were both like primed to do something. What's I'm just looking at the data again. Um, I'll give a shout out here, Jordan McCullum as well. He's uh, I'm looking at his website, the NBL play types are so far this year. I'm just. Because at the start of the show, I'm like, oh, you're on the eye test that says this. And then I was like, shit, I should probably start looking these up, right? And uh, if you look at Adelaide, they've obviously got the highest post-up um, frequency in the NBL. And they've also got the highest cut frequency in the NBL, which I think is, I wasn't expecting the cut one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the, the, the post-up one you'd expect. DJ hasn't had a great start to the year, but I'm not going to can DJ because DJ's had how many uh, god knows how many great seasons now like mm-hmm. you guys uh, he's only played five there's only been five games this season's been a disrupted season and he was great in the preseason anyway so like you know the form will come back around with him i'm not even the slowest bit worried about him humphreys just doesn't look physically right man. 
He just doesn't look right. He looks uncomfortable. He just he just doesn't have that. He doesn't have the movement that he looks really wooden. And I'm not sure whether that's being hurt or whether that's being out of match play. I'm not sure what it is. He just doesn't look right. I always thought he was a little bit, but last year he showed an ability to... He seemed a bit more fluent in his movement. He was hitting the three ball last year even a little bit. You know, that was a Mm. more... Well, this year it's just like a million miles at the rim. Like, just put the ball to the floor and like, you know, that... You know how he just turns the corner and goes without too much nuance? I'd like him to slow down a little bit too. Like, let the game come to him a little bit more. And I get it. You're going to be edgy. You've been out for how long now? You know, things... It's five games. It's hard to tell. I think the positives for Adelaide, I think Todd Withers has looked pretty good, right? I think he's looked like as far as a utility, you know, three, four is, he's passable, right? Is he elite? No, but he, he can play. Like he's not going to hurt you. Like as it, you know, he's not going to hurt you having him in your lineup. I think he's good. Um, the bigs I thought was a huge strength. I didn't understand why Cam Bearsdale wasn't signed earlier, to be honest. Like, it just seemed like an obvious play to me. I thought he was great for Illawarra last year while he wasn't hurt, and people go, oh, he's always hurt. Yeah. You know what? Then you can sit him down. Big deal. Move on. You know, like, what are you, what are you filling your end of your bench out with? Seriously. You think Melbourne United could have done with him? Yes. Like, it would solve a lot of their issues at the four. He would have been good. But no, well, you know, like... We'll go sign. And again, I get it's money. I don't know the contracts. But I do – I there are things I like about Adelaide and there are things I just don't. And I agree with you on the wings. I, You know, you talk about streaky guys. Don't you get Don't you get that feeling about Dusty Hannes? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's one of those guys. He's someone I think you can, um, you know, have his moments, have his games. But, I, again, you look at this team. Who's the number one option in this team? Daniel you know, I think Johnson. It's Daniel Johnson. Um, and that's all well and good, but to what extent can you go into the, you know, to the post every game and rely on that as your sole, uh, or primary, you know, source of offense? I think they need a more dependable, uh, perimeter player. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line for me. Cause I'm looking at the frequency. They're at 12.6. Next highest team is like 9.6. Then there's a huge drop off into the sixes and the fives. Mm. It's just not. That's not going to get the job done in this league, I just don't think. Like, And funnily enough, you know who the second highest team is? Melbourne United, because they just throw the ball into Joe and they go, you know what, bro, go to work. We know you're not passing it. Right? Like, yeah. let's be real. Like, I just... Adelaide... I agree with you. It's it's a lot of good players, but that you don't have a guy that you go bring at home. Everyone else has one or more guys who you can throw the ball to and you go, get gut me out a win. You know, like you look at Melbourne, you can do that with Chris. And I think Agada is even becoming a guy like that now, right? Um, you look at Southeast Melbourne. This has been my issue with Southeast Melbourne over the years because I'm not sure you can do that with a three or a four man. I'm not sure you can do it with Mitch Creek, which has been my question about them. It's, it's not a knock on Mitch Creek. It's Can you do that with that? Got Robeson could do it, but they just weren't a very good defensive team that year, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at all the contempt, Bryce Cotton, obviously, right? You have all these these contending teams have the Brisbane, you can go to Sobey or Patterson, right? I'd probably lean Patterson more in those sorts of environments, but 
you know, like you can go to either of those guys. I just, I agree with you. Where do you go on Adelaide? It's Daniel and is, can you win games from the four? I said, if I'm saying no about Mitch Creek, I'm got to say no about Daniel Johnson. Yeah. Fair? Yeah. I'm totally fair. I'm, I'm a bit out on him. Yeah. So I'm going to go through now. We're done with all the teams. I'm going to do whether you buy or sell the teams. We'll go, we'll go, uh, I'll go by the order of the ladder. Then it makes it easier. <laughs> Actually, I'll do it here. I've got the team list. Adelaide 36ers, buy or sell? I'm, I'm going to sell. And you can, I'll give hold as well as an option for you. Okay. If you if you've okay. already bought them. That's very At generous. Br- yeah. Brisbane, Brisbane. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy on Brisbane. Uh, I'm buying. Yeah. Right. Cairns. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sell. I'm selling because I feel like this is the top of their price is going to get because yeah. I feel like there's so much hype around this and I feel like it's a bit of fool's gold. Illawarra Hawks. Uh, I'm going to hold on them. Yeah. Nah, fair. I'm I'm holding as well. I I am not... Pe- Seb is so high on the Illawarra Hawks. It's not <laughs> funny. Like, And I'll be giving in to him if I buy Illawarra. So um, I'm going to hold on that one. Tasmania, I think we're both selling, right? Like as soon as we can offload <laughs> that asset, like it's it's a, fire, it's a fire sale on um, <laughs> Tasmania. We'll, we'll take whatever, you know, like on Facebook Marketplace, it's like all best offer. The all best offer is zero. Like yeah, I'll, I'll pay you to get <laughs> yeah, it that's it. I will pay the shipping <laughs> just to get rid of them, right? Yeah. Melbourne United. Uh, Melbourne United, I'm going to hold. I'm going to buy Melbourne United because I didn't, you know, like I wasn't a big buyer at the start. They've impressed me. I think they've been the most impressive team to me that I had lower expect. Like I still don't think that's a great team on paper. But mm. what Vickerman's done, I've, you know, I've given Vickerman shit over the years. Like, Dean, you know what? Tip the hat. You're doing a great job defensively with this group. I just, I just don't think you're going to get those calls when you go to the jungle, brother. So that's where I'm at with them. Uh, New Zealand Breakers, I, I think we're, it's a sell, right? But like, but again, did we ever really buy them? No, it's a tough situ- situation, right? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm selling, but I feel like it's it can only get better. Better, yeah. I, I think actually, I'm not selling that team at all. I'm going to buy a bit of New Zealand stock because I think they're better than two and seven. Yeah, like the price is low. We're getting it for nothing. Like let's 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 buy a little bit of the break. They're not making the playoffs or anything. Before you go, oh, you two are idiots. We're not <laughs> saying that. We're saying they're they're probably better than two and seven, right? Wildcats, Wildcats. Um, the price is high, but I'm buying. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding as much per stock as I possibly can. They're the best team in the competition from my from my you know according to my eyes so far. They look like the eye test says the Perth Wildcats are your team to win the title. I'm buying Perth. Um, yep. Southeast Melbourne, buying or selling or holding? Uh, that, that's definitely a hold for me. Yeah, I'm holding it as well. I think they're going to get some wins now. I I think they're an overvalued asset, but I think they're going to get more overvalued. And then we're not really going to find out till the playoffs that we've kind of been sold a lemon again. So I'll, I'll be ready. Don't worry. I'll be ready to sell the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix the week before the playoffs start. Um, then I'll offload and 
all you guys can buy in and I'll sit there laughing on the stack of cash. Um, the Sydney Kings. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I'm selling. I'm selling, I'm our, selling our man. Week. I'm selling because I, I want to get out because, like, look at the teams that they got coming up. I You and I both think they could be three and eight. Mm. I think they'll. I think they're going to be four and seven. I think they'll probably win one of the two Brisbane games. Uh, yeah, man, or the Perth game. I think they're going to win one at least. But they've got to win two. I think they've got to be at five and six. Otherwise, it's otherwise we could be looking at some big problems. And there we go. Too easy, brother. There you go. Is there? You know, obviously, uh, social media details, all those things, so people can follow you. Yeah, um, at Twitter you can find me at Michael Hoob, um, and then most of my work is up on the Pick and Roll website. Great to check out all the the writers and creators on there doing some great stuff. So yeah, you can find me there. Yeah, exactly. Go find Michael. Great follow. Um, as I said, you know it's been great. We've been trying to organise this for for a while now. It's good to finally get it done. It's finally good to also sit here with someone else who likes to talk for over two hours about the NBL. <laughs> it's a rarity. I remember Body Nodge once said, we're not arrogant enough to talk for over two hours like some other podcasts. Well, Body, yes, we are arrogant enough. And uh, Thanks for coming on, Michael. It's very much appreciated. Um, and we'll definitely catch up again soon. Thanks, brother. No worries. Thanks for indulging me. Well, that's another episode of the Best in Greenway podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or, or your favorite podcasting app, whichever one you use. Also, you know, if you really, really liked it, then uh, please don't hesitate to leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts as well. Five stars, obviously preferable, and I, I would say well-deserved, not to, not to toot our own horn. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, via at Carl Beston on both, Carl with a K. And you can also find Seb via at Seb Greenway. Uh, We've been doing, we have some huge episodes coming up. Seb will be back in the studio and I'll be doing some apps with some big names and all around great dudes from around the league. So please keep an eye out for that. And we'll be back in a couple of days. Uh, Thanks guys. Hope you're having, hope you really enjoy the rest of the round and, and we speak to you soon. Thanks guys.